In light of COVID-19, Sport Calgary has compiled together a directory of webinars and digital events to help you stay connected in the Calgary sport community. Learn more at sportcalgary.ca. Hey, 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 ho. Hey, how you holding up? Hey, that, you know, yeah. Hey, kids. It's your old podcasting friend, Rob Kerr. Thanks for uh, stopping by. Thanks for joining us. Another original Six Feet Conversation podcast. We have been doing these as we've all been sequestered at home during the pandemic. Uh, it is a byproduct of um, why don't we do something to promote Sport Calgary, but also uh, a labor of love, quite honestly. Um, love this city, love the sports people in this city, love the sports stories that are in this city. And collectively, we've been coming together and, and sharing as many as we can, and we continue to do that and look forward to it. Um, sometimes we're meeting the person for the first time, but full disclosure today, I've known this guy for a long time, and um, I am a big, big fan of one Brent Cron. Hey, I know Croner. He's on the radio. Yep, Brent Cron's been uh, tootling around on sport radio here in Calgary on 960, um, and you have probably have heard him there. Uh, you may remember him as a former first-round pick of the Calgary Flames. He was a star with the Calgary Hitmen. And Brent has a really good story and an important story. And today he's going to get real raw and real honest with us. Um, and I think th- th- this is a case where there's no agenda for me. There never really is in this podcast. But what I did find at the end of it was we presented a pretty compelling case that, you know, in many ways, Brent was a bit of victim of circumstance, but you'll never hear him complain. You'll never hear, hear him, um, you know, bellyache or anything like that. This is a real long, solid, honest conversation. As honest a conversation you're going to have with an athlete as I think I've, I've had so far on these podcasts, and I, I remember doing it a long time. So really excited about Brent Cron. Before we get there, not sure what sports are provided in Calgary? Sport Calgary Sport Directory will help you find the sport and sport organizations that's right for you. Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Let's go on a journey, shall we, folks? Let's find out what it's really like to be a first overall pick in the National... Well, I guess not first overall pick, first round pick in the National Hockey League. Uh, first round pick, and that's exactly what Brent Cron was, ninth overall uh, back in, I believe, 2000 uh, when the draft was held here in Calgary. And, well, Croner's really, really honest about it. This is going to be a good, good time. I'm just letting you know, I, I, I push start, so we're rolling. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that good. is the most distinctive laugh. I know, <laughs> like, I know where you are all the time, and it's the same way. You laughed that way the first time I met you. Do you remember the first time we met? No. David Marcuse Goaltending School. Really? No. Sorry. I know I had met you at training camp. That's not true. Um, I had interviewed you at training camp. We met at David Marcuse Goaltending yeah. Camp up that in the seems, Northeast. That seems a lot more believable. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, it would have been the. It would have been the. That would have been in the summer before the lockout. Okay. Up, up at. Uh, okay. So oh four. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, oh three, oh four. Well, three, no, it would have been 04. Sorry, it would have been the summer. Yeah, summer prior to the lockout, after the Stanley Cup run, you yeah. would have been working at David Marcuse goaltending camp at um, Don Hartman. Yeah, oh, that was uh, that was years ago. I think uh, the defenseman that plays for Morrissey. Oh, he, Josh uh, Morrissey? He was a goalie? Yeah, 
he, yeah, his his younger brother or older brother, I'm not sure how that all worked out. He he went to Marcus camps a bunch, and I remember chatting with his old man and 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 his kid being on the ice. Oh, okay, okay. It's yeah. it's an incredibly small world. Oh my god! You were yeah. far, um, uh, I would say, far more happy-go-lucky then. The, the, <laughs> the Brent Cron I'm interviewing today, you're talking to, not interviewing, talking to today, more worldly, more worldly, yes, more wise. Yeah, it, right? yeah, I was, I was a sponge back then. I'm a filter now, right? So it's, uh, it, I, like, just from where I, I, I came from, from where I grew up in a, in a small town in Manitoba, right? It was just like I never thought any of this was attainable for me. Period. Like even just. I told myself if I could play for the Winkler Flyers as a junior A hockey team, and and I think I made it. That's all I wanted yeah, to do was have, no, have my buddies. But that's right? but the, growing up in rural Saskatchewan, rural Alberta, rural Manitoba, that was the dream. Right? Yeah, that was the yeah. dream. And and then when I got to Calgary, it was the biggest city I'd ever been to. Yeah. And I remember hopping in. You know, when I Paul Charles was the head scout for the Calgary Hitmen. Okay. At the time. And uh, a scout by the name of John Townsend, I'll never forget, from uh, from Robin, Manitoba, watched me play some, some I guess, select tournaments uh, in, in Manitoba, and they ended up drafting me. And I remember Paul Charles calling me, and, and he says, Brent, we've uh, we've drafted you to the Calgary Hitmen. And I was just like, that is awesome. That, yeah, absolutely, I'll be there, no problem. And he's like, well, you don't even know the details of camp yet. And, and I'm like, that's fine. I said, I don't even know how this works. I'm but leaving said, now. <laughs> yeah, right? Like... <laughs> I'll walk there if I have to, and, <laughs> and I remember hopping into my my you know my parents. We had a van, a Ford Aerostar, and we hopped into that vehicle at training camp time. Whatever, drove to Calgary, stayed in the hotel, and and had you know training camp with the Calgary Hitmen. Yeah, and I'm like, my God, this is this is all I need. I can pack it in now. It was crazy. Were you so growing up? Were you always a goalie? You no, know, well, yes, yeah, I would say so. I started. I think I took. Like I didn't start actually playing hockey till I was nine. Uh, my parents put me in power oh, skating. I didn't know that. So you were yeah. you were not till nine. Yeah, I, it's funny. There's a there's, my mom has got this photo. If she ever wants, to, if she's ever disappointed me or needs to blackmail me or, or bug <laughs> me, but basically it's me like in a figure skating outfit, like a male figure skater's overalls was bedazzled with hockey skates, and that's how I learned how to skate. They put me in like this some winter you know power quote unquote power skating camp sure before i even played hockey and then the following year i played played de- defense i think I, I started playing like last year no- novice or something i'm not even sure what the age group is or yeah yeah and then in the following year i flip flop back and forth between goalie and then my third year into hockey i actually started playing goalie full time so. so so two things are coming out of one it, you are it's not unusual for late bloomers but it's unusual for late bloomers from from smaller communities right because yeah you know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you all grow up playing the same teams and the same sports. It's a little unusual, isn't it? For sure. You know, we lived in Winnipeg too when I was young, and that was kind of contributed because I was. I think we didn't move to Winkler till I was seven or eight years. I think eight oh, years okay. old. Okay. 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 So, so that's like with it, my my folks were from the you know Winkler and the surrounding town. Yeah. And my dad tried to make a goal of it in the city, and then when that when he came back to Winkler, that's when they gotcha. just threw me into hockey. So that's yeah. kind of how that all tell, that all came to be. Tell me about year two because. You know, my tragic hockey career was cut short because I just never made up my mind. I'm a centerman. I'm a defenseman. I'm a goalie. I'm <laughs> yeah, a centerman. Yeah, um, yeah. But you said year two, you were kind of both in and out. Yeah, I was both. I wanted to be. I wanted to be a goaltender after uh, Mike Vernon's save in '89 on Stan Smeal, oh, okay. that, that glove save. Yeah. I remember being in Plum Coulee, Manitoba, which is just you know five ten minutes 
west of, of Winkler and sitting at my aunt and uncle's house uh, and uh, my whole family was there and you know Mikey Vernon made that glove save and I, and for, I don't remember a whole lot from my childhood but I can remember where I was where I was sitting hmm. when that save was made and I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting Mike and and, and uh, uh, playing with him a little bit and and just you know you, you never really know the impact that people have on you right so I told oh, him sure. that story and he he gets a good good chuckle out of it, but I knew then I wanted to be a goaltender. But there was another kid on the team who had similar similar dreams and, and aspirations, so they kind of flip flop between the two of us. And and as things progressed, you know, I think he dropped out of hockey eventually, and I was able to play play full time. And it's the same group of guys, like you said, small town. I played yep. the same whether they were top end guys, you know, like really skilled guys or the guys that couldn't even tie their skates. Like it was just, you know, here's a group of 12 kids playing on the novice team. It wasn't even A, B, C or D or whatever. This is the Winkler novice, novice team. Right. So. So I'm slightly older than you. So I don't know if this still applies, but when I grew up, there was basically four reasons to be a goalie. One, you were the worst player on the team. Mm -hmm. Two, um, you lost some sort of bet. Three, you loved equipment, or four, you wanted to be the center of attention. (laughs) Those were the four. Do do any of those? Did any of those seem like you? Aside from the bet one, three of the four are definitely me. Uh, (laughs) The center of attention, one hundred percent. Couldn't skate to save my life. Um, (laughs) I hated. I I I I would play defense because I just wanted to help the goalies out when I first started, but I couldn't really skate so i would just hang out beside him most of the time right and and eventually the time came where it's like we just probably throw you a net because that's all you talk about that's all you want to do so we may as well just give you a check because nobody else really wanted to play they could give two you know what oh, yeah, about yeah, it, right? yeah yeah right yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah yeah stick me in the net and that, that's where it all went community equipment first always yeah, yeah there's uh yeah, and now it was still you had the two piece chest protector too. You kind of had the bat pe- bat catcher chest plate, and yep. then you had the the kind of the arm that's right section of it where you put it over your head, and it was just basically sleeves and a and a neck hole. Now, did you ever have the right size of both? Because that was yeah. the problem I have is I I either had too small a chest protector or too big the the shoulder ones, right? You know what I I remember it being uncomfortable no matter how you sliced it wearing just you know just one size fits all now when my boy plays hockey I mean oh he's he's a left-handed goaltender oh we'll go and we'll buy a, a left-handed glove uh, glove and blocker oh the chest protector's too big oh we'll just go to the store and we'll just get a you know one that that suits him and I mean for me it was it's like yeah you know what the the right arm is is 14 inches and the, the left <laughs> arm is 30 right like just go out there and play right <laughs> so so I was just too damn happy to be a goalie I none of it really fit properly none of it fit well. Uh, I remember having a blocker that was basically the size of my goalie pads, uh, but no, I was in the net. I didn't give. I didn't give a. You know what? I was just excited to, just excited to be in the net. But yeah, none, none of it seemed to work. But it, I, I made it work. Did you like equipment? You know what? I, I wasn't. I knew all about it, and I knew what I wanted. I wanted what Mike Vernon or Ed Belfort was wearing. Right. Gotcha. So okay. it's so it's like you know, when when Eddie Belfort or, even, or Cooper was a big deal, right? Like yep. I know Mike Vernon had Cooper and yep. and Eddie had Cooper. So I'm like you know, my when I got my very first Cooper Reactor Five blocker, I was just uh, I, I was in heaven. I thought it was just the best best thing ever. Um, but when I got to the pro level, quit. When I got to the Hitman, I didn't know I could choose. I just was like, well, whatever you give me should be fine. And hopefully, you got something that I can kind of feel comfortable with. And yeah. They're like, no, you know, here, here you go. And I and I was blown away by it. But throughout my career, I I kind of stuck to what I I didn't try everything. I just kind of used what worked for me. I played with guys that, 
you know, the, the rep would come by and it was just like, I need a full set of that. I need a CCM. I need a Reebok. I need a Vaughn. I need a Brian's. And they, you know, their, their stalls would be stacked full of it, but I was never, I was never an equipment fiend. I'll tell you that. I, I mean, I, I was only because we couldn't get it right. Cause yeah. the, the community league bought what the community league bought. Now I'm a little older than you. So mine was all, you know, the old Brown, you know, yep. deer hair and stuff like that. So I, to me, the, the watershed moment was Vaughn. When Vaughn yes. first came out, and I believe Andy Moog was one of the first adapters, and he had yeah. the, the brown glove, but it had a blue Vaughn tag on it. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. So I've always you know, wanted. Do you remember the first time you ever went into a store that had goalie equipment? Not Canadian oh, yes. Tire, not Sport Check, yes. but an actual. Yeah. It was yeah, a religious I, experience. It was. And I'm just I'm trying to think of the name because it was a local sports store in the mall. And. I would literally beg my parents to take me there every once a week to get new shipments of hockey equipment in. And I would go in and I would try on the glove and blockers that they had. I think they had four sets of everything. And I would just sit there. Preach. Yeah. (laughs) And all I would do, I would sit there for an hour and wear them. And by the point when somebody else would buy them, they would already be broken in. Because I would just, (laughs) (laughs) I would, dad, I'm, you know, I'd hop on my bike and I'd go straight to the mall and I'd just sit at the sports store wearing these gloves. I'd put the helmets on. I'd put the chest protectors on. I'd like this, and the, the smell of new equipment. Yeah, like it was just. It was nothing like it. The leather. Um, I remember as a kid, I wanted a, a full one-piece goalie mask. Cause I always had a two-piece. Oh, and, you were a, you they, were a mask and a helmet guy, weren't you? Yeah, Growing exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and so when they had the one-piece come out, the, the local sports store had it. And and uh, there was a picture in the local flyer newspaper magazine, and and I remember going to bed, looked like holding up my arms. I was never asleep, but I just wanted my parents to come see me holding this this magazine that had this goalie helmet for I think at the time was thousand dollars or whatever they were charging for those things. Like yeah. I want this, and I would just I would try to guilt them into buying it for me, and it never worked. When you came to Calgary, and I, I want to bounce back to childhood for a sec, but when you came to Calgary was. I believe it was Doug Dadswell's goalie shop on 11th. Was that still open? Do you remember that? That's Is there the like ice, ice center in the back? I believe no, so. Be... Yeah, but yeah, it was on cause... 11th Ave, right? 11th Ave. Oh, boy. I, I'm almost certain I was around for that because I do remember doing something. I, I'm, I'm almost positive. I can't put my finger on it. Like but... I, I drove, I, My family, we drove down 11th, and I'm like, what? Did, that said the goalie shop. That can't yeah. be. And you yeah. go in, and all it was was goalie equipment. And it was yeah. just like, I didn't know this could exist. <laughs> oh, I know. It's heaven. <laughs> it's... When we when we go into the city, I mean, we go to, you know, we, we always pop in to play it against sports because I try to go find, see if there's some used glove blocker there that would be like, you know, on, on a budget that I could, right. Dad, exactly. can I get this glove? Yeah. And, you know, and I always thought when I walked in, I always thought that you know what, for sure, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have this brand new set in the play it against sports bin where I'm just gonna be able to walk away with a brand new glove blocker somehow, and it never never really worked out for me. Other side of eleventh, there was a play it again sports yeah. uh, closer to the dome, and I remember going in there, and it's exactly that's where I bought my first blocker because it was yeah. just that it was a Vaughn buried at the bottom of a bin, and I like. It was maybe thirty bucks, and I thought I've just I'm robbing these people. I really yep. am. You know, yep. it's all the money yeah, I, I have know. in the world. <laughs> I know. Well, my uh, my brother, when I was you know, quite a bit younger, he actually saved his money, and he he ended up uh, helping my parents buy me a blocker too. And that really? was a big deal. It was it was really special. I still remember it to this day. It was pretty pretty neat. You know, you, 
money's hard to come by, especially for a little kid, and to to, to spend it on me and then my blocker was a, was a big deal. So goalie skates, that would be the last one in equipment, and we'll move on. But when did you get your first pair of goalie skates? I had these old, crappy pair of of I think they were Rydells. Yeah. And they would they yes. they were <laughs> they were Rydell was a their figure skating manufacturer right they yeah. made figure skates yeah. and then all of a sudden and they were low low end cheap ones right yes. oh for sure yeah. just garbage sure. Uh, yeah but because they had the cowling on them but they you know the, the blade wasn't even in the cowling it was just like a figure like a steel blade you know um, screwed into a plastic cowling and that's that's all it was and they were heavy they were about four hundred pounds oh, they were like anchors they were so bad. And I remember just being so happy to have a pair of goalie skates. I put those on like I was that was the talk of the town, just Bobby Big Wheel <laughs> wheeling in it, Rydells. It was, it was it was pretty cool. And how long did it take to adapt to them? Because the first the first couple times, it's weird, eh? Well, Stu Grimson, he had uh, he would come through Winkler and he'd have a, a, a hockey camp, and really? uh, okay. yeah, and. Uh, but there was a section. You know, I was a goaltender at one of these camps, and I couldn't get up. Like the, the toe was so long that when I tried to get up, it would dig into the ice like a figure skate. I couldn't. I couldn't do the butterfly in any of these. I mean, the butterfly wasn't really around a whole bunch. No, it was then, just coming. The but, hybrid was just starting, right? Yeah, right. I was one knee down, and I, and I couldn't get up with my left leg, and I was just struggling. It was. It was literally. Uh, torture. But I. I remember just how hard it was. But just smiling through it all, I was just like. Okay, I, I could do this forever. Just keep keep it going. <laughs> when did you get good? When did when did you get good? Well, I always told myself, and this is a hundred percent God's honest truth, that when I can make a blocker save going down on my left knee and having my right leg extend, you know, like this, that's I couldn't do that psychologically. When I when a puck would come my blocker side, I'd have to stand up and punch it, or go down on both knees and punch it. I couldn't do the old one leg out. Yep, and. Uh, and I did that in Bantam Hockey in, in uh, I think we were, I can't remember what town we were in, but I made a, I made a save like that. And I was like, wow, like you, you did it. And I was like, you know, and then I, that, I just remember that being like a trigger in my mind thinking, hey, you're, you're not bad. Like you, you're, you're, you're doing okay at this, this goaltending thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then it just kind of became because I, I enjoyed the position so much, yep. you know, and, and I was just having so much fun playing with it that, that uh, you know, but then I became competitive with it too. And and then I, you know, the, the, the fun part was over. If, yeah, it's just fun to be on the ice and play hockey. Then it was like, well, the only fun part about playing hockey is winning. You know, when you can win and you, you play goal like that, it's just, you got it, you got it covered. And so I would say probably, you know, Bantam. Bantam is kind of where I thought, because like, Small town. I was the goaltender, so it didn't matter if I let in 400 goals or I let in two goals. I was still going to play all the games in the season. So I was okay in Pee Wee, I think. Pretty yep. good in Pee Wee. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? There was this one tournament uh, in uh, in Minnesota. I got asked when I was in uh, grade grade seven or eight, and and there was a, a select team going down to Minnesota for this tournament. Saint Saint Cloud, I think it was. I'm not sure where it was. And they had their team picked out. They played together all year long. But they called my dad, and they asked if I could if I could join them for one tournament. My dad said, "Yeah, sure, uh, but you know, is everything okay? Like, what's happening?" They go, "Oh no, we have two goaltenders, but we we want to win this tournament, and we'd like your son to play goal for us." And I was like, "I didn't even think anything of it." I was like, "Wow, that's pretty." pretty and that's kind of probably about grade seven or grade eight is kind of when I started getting on board with 
I could have a future in this. That is a, a, a you're a major junior guy, so you're not a junior A guy, but that is a really unique thing in hockey that you did. And I've seen it in junior A. I saw it um, in when I was first broadcasting Fort McMurray. We played the Olds Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies were great. And we had a really good goaltender, Richard Perrant, and he'd play a little bit in Tampa Bay and stuff like that. And I remember they were hosting the Centennial Cup. They picked him up after they knocked us out of the after they knocked Fort McMurray out of the AJHL final. They used him in the Centennial Cup. Yeah. You know, when I was in Esteban, we went to a Royal Bank Cup. We took Shane Delaron from Flin Flon. Shane Delaron backed up our goalie. Our backup yeah. was now, you know, in the stands. Like, it's a really weird – that had to be weird for you. Yeah, I, I grew up playing against these guys, you know, in, from different towns. And I grew up not hating them, but – sure. You just being very competitive with them, and I'd see them in the rink, and I'd be like, "Oh, I, I, I would never be friends with that guy. He's a <laughs> jerk. I hate him." You know, it just, he's a, and then and then you know they 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 call, and and we drive down, and my parents don't really know their parents, and where and they have this whole they have their team, like they have their team together, and I'm joining them for basically three days, and that's it. Yeah. And by the end of it, it was uh, you know, we we it was a one of the tournaments I'll never forget. I let in one goal in three games, and the first two games. They didn't need me in net. Like I, I could have been sitting in a lawn chair. They were that good, and we won like eight nothing. And, and then the next game was like six nothing. Like I had no shots. Yeah. And I'm like, I come back to my dad. I'm like, why did they go through all this trouble to to bring me on? I, I don't I don't understand it. But then the the final game we won we won four one, and that was the game where the the team that they had lost to before, and we ended up winning the game four one, and we got pretty pretty badly outshot and that was kind of where I was like well okay you know I started believing in myself a little bit more so Calgary you are selected in the Bantam draft yeah yeah so yes, what sir. what year is that <laughs> I want to say 96 or 97 okay maybe or 98 I, I, I think it was 15 so, yeah 15 is the age you get drafted in Bantam yeah. draft I think right yep and so yeah so what I would have been yeah so that would have been 90 90 because I 97, okay. 97. And, and at that point, Calgary was still relatively new, right? Brand new. Yeah, yeah they, brand they've new. only been around since, yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't much. They just they just got out of the pinks, too, with pink, pink and gray jerseys when I joined them. So it was pretty, pretty new. <laughs> Tell me about coming to Calgary. You mentioned, did the family load up in the minivan or did you load yeah. up in the minivan? No, my mom and dad and myself. And so your parents we drove, came, too? Yeah, parents came, too. And we our van broke down in Brandon. And so we <laughs> that set my old man off pretty good. So we got her all fixed up, get to Calgary and uh, check into the hotel. And I think we were they had a rate, a special rate for you know the training camp to get people. And I think we stayed downtown. It's the first time. I mean, I'd been to Winnipeg downtown before. It was no big deal. But Calgary's was was quite quite a bit different. And remember, we stayed pretty high up at a like a couple you know like twenty level twenty or thirty or whatever. And <laughs> like what the and the street lights they were different, right? They were they were horizontal, not vertical like they are in Winnipeg. And we get downtown and there's so many one ways and I'm just like, you know, we, we drove before we got into town, we drove by the saddle. It's like, you know, like that's the first thing we gotta do. No matter what time we got in, I can't remember, but like we gotta drive by the saddle. Wow. And and get to Calgary and you can see the mountains in the background and there's you know sunshine and I can't remember it was like August and and I mean, I I wasn't even nervous. I was just excited. I was just so excited. That drive to Calgary was the longest drive to Calgary I've ever had in my life, just because of the, all the all the just the, the the I just wanted to get on the ice and play. And you, you now I don't want to get too far ahead, but you made team out of camp that year, right? Like, no, I didn't. Oh, you uh, they, didn't. They, they no, they sent me back. Because you played um, four but, years in the dub, right? I did, correct. Yeah, yeah. 
Or was that yeah. your 15? Was that your Bantam year? Yeah, that was Oh, my okay, sorry. Okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. you would go so, back. Okay. But at training camp, I remember they said, I'm going back. But they, they thought I... Did, I had a really good camp, and yep. they wanted me to stick around for a day and scrimmage with the with the main camp guys. Oh, wow. And so, so I mean, you know, you had Brad Moran still kicking around out there, and and uh, just just to just to kind of see if I could handle the pace and the, the shots and kind of where that was at. And I, I can't even remember how well I did. I don't even know. I think I did pretty good, but I was just so excited to be out there and compete and and, and kind of be recognized and given a chance. I I walked away from training camp that year just like this is this is the best ever. This is so amazing. I. Got to practice with the with the Calgary Hitman and and uh, I thought I'd made it. I thought like now that was one not like that was the next step. Like I got that next step. I'm good now, right? It was just it's crazy. What was it like facing a Brad Moran at that time? I didn't know who he was. You know, I, I you know what I mean. So I, it was ignorance was bliss. I just like this was a really good hockey player, right? Gotcha. And so I should yeah, I could see the way he skated, the way he shot, the way he saw the ice, and like well, I just got to be ready for him, right? You know, <laughs> I, I never put never put too much thought into it, and yeah. I. And and I'm ha- I'm happy I didn't either because my I mean like you said, we'll get into it but my NHL training camps I thought a lot more when I was younger I didn't think as much right yeah you so you go home where do you play in that year go back I went to back to the Pemina Valley Hawks AAA midget gotcha. uh, back in back in Manitoba played my second year there I had a really good hockey club again um, you know it was a lot of fun the AAA midget was so much fun I. I still stay in touch with a couple of guys on the team that I played midget with. I mean, they were just the, the best. Two guys, especially I grew up with. Uh, I have a lot of love for our good friends, and you know, it's just uh, we still often talk when they pass through town or whatnot. Uh, just the experience from that team, the experiences from that year, triple A midget was some of the funnest I've ever had playing hockey. And just, just fun, just because, or well, we 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 made it to the the finals two years in a row, and we we lost the same team I think two years in a row. Uh, but uh, but just. You know, the, we'd have it's kind of when you're getting into the, the the whole kind of team party thing. The you're young, you're 15, so you're not supposed to be out boozing or, or having a good time. But you know, you just you're growing up a little bit, and you're getting some independence, and guys are starting to get their driver's license, so you got some freedom, and yep. and you kind of feel like you're 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 a man, you know. And because we we played on a like a regional team, so practices weren't always in my hometown. Sometimes practices were two hours, you know, west or an hour and a half west, or sometimes they were right you know, in the next town over 20 minutes away. So, you know, you got to do a lot of driving with, you know, a select few people and, and, and it, that whole kind of, that sure. started kind of the road trip mentality where your road trips are always fun. You're on the bus with your boys or, you know, teammates, that's fun. Being in a car with a couple guys kind of BS and that's always great. So that's kind of when I started to feel more like a, like a man, like a, like yep. a hockey player. Like I'm, you know, I don't, mom and dad don't need to drive me to hockey practice. Me and my buddies can take care of it type thing. So, at 16, you go back for your second Hitman camp. Did, was yeah. the minivan full this time? Was the expectation that Brent wasn't no. coming home? Well, because I didn't make it when I was 16 either, right? So I I, uh, okay. I, I got called up. I got called up. But that 16-year-old year, I thought I had a chance. I really did. Because they had Brent Williams, and yep. they had Alexander Fomachev, and they had Donald Chikolas. And those three guys, I think, were... I, they were still ahead of me. Yep. I think even Sean Connors was still ahead of me. But I came to camp, and they, you know, they kept me around for for a while longer, okay. and I got more more of a feel. Okay. And uh, and they actually, you know, I went back to midget again. This is my last year of midget, right? And yep. and uh, and they they were they'd come out and watch more of the games. I remember uh, Mike Moore and Kelly Kissio coming out to to Morden, Manitoba, to watch me play games, and and you know we'd go for you know lunch or or sorry a, a bite to eat after the game or something, and. 
they kind of talked to me about hockey. I'm like, wow, it's Kelly Kissio. Like, this is this is the real deal, right? He played in the NHL. I don't know any NHL players. This is pretty. This is pretty cool. So, did that, and, and I ended up getting a uh, call up that season. Um, I think Brent Williams broke his finger, and uh, they needed somebody to back up Fomich. I think Chikalis was either. I don't know how it all shaped up, but so anyway, they called me and said, "Hey, you know what? We got a we got a plane lined up." Not a private plane, uh, <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, com- yeah. commercial plane. It's junior hockey. And I flew into Calgary and uh, came in Thursday, and, and I was staying. I um, can't remember whose who's house I was staying at. It was all it all feels so long ago. And and uh, we, we play Friday night in Red Deer. And uh, and I'm I'm backing up Fomachev, not playing. And I'm, I, I've never backed. I've never sat on the bench. Really. I mean, Midget I did, but... I don't know. I, I would always leave my helmet on in case I, I had to go in. Like they just wanted to prove to the coach that I was ready. Like I got my helmet on. I'm ready to play. Like that's that's what that means. And I remember pr- probably like five minutes into the first period, Foamy comes skates up and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm like, "I, I didn't know how to answer." I'm like, "I'm just sitting here. What's up?" Like, take your helmet off, please. He said, "It's bothering me looking at you with your helmet on because I think you're you're getting ready to come in the net to, to take me out." <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, sorry. Right? So, I, I take my helmet off, and then and then the next game, we're in Calgary against Red Deer, and uh, I start getting some stomach pains. And then, you know, before the game, first period, I'm very uncomfortable. Second period, I'm really uncomfortable. And I tell the trainer, I'm like, I don't know, there's something wrong with my stomach. Like, you have like, you know, Tums or something like that. I got an upset stomach. And and after the game, the doctor comes in and he's like, we need to get you to the hospital. And they drive me to the hospital. And I had an emergency appendectomy after the game that Saturday night. And so and you're the team 16? was leaving. I'm 16. Wow. And the team's leaving on a road trip to go over to the West Coast, Seattle, Portland. You know, they, they, they expected me to play a couple of those games. And I was going to get a chance to realize a dream and get a game. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, sure enough, emergency appendectomy. You know, Dean Clark, Jeff Marr, they walked into the the, the hospital the next Sunday because they were leaving that Sunday. But they came in early in the morning, and they're like, they were they weren't laughing, but like, my God, this is just you know bad luck. If we feel bad for you, you know, but uh, we're taking off, and here's a word search, and uh, you know, here's a, a TV. We paid it for the week. You got four channels to watch. And I was in the hospital for six days by myself, right? And I'm 16 years old, never been away from home for longer than, than I'm by myself in there in the hospital. You don't even have billets at this point. No, I'm a, like, and I know nobody in the city. I'm completely alone and I'm 16 years old. And my, my mom is just, just having a panic attack pretty much. And, but anyway, I, I, the team had constant maintenance on me. It was like, you know, they check in call and every night they'd see how I was doing. And I really, really appreciated that. And, and then, uh, yeah, I, I flew back after my, I just, you know, the staples in my side to, you know, then I flew home and, and then finished off the, the the midget season. I think I played about you know three weeks after that. Got back in the net, and that was my that was my midget end of my midget career. So you come to Calgary this time. You're going to make the team. You know you're yeah. coming. Yeah. Or, or, or do you? Or well, no, because at the beginning of tra- so that summer, I remember going, I I finally got an agent. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Jerry Johansson uh, Sports Corporation, Steve Kotlowitz up in Edmonton. And I spent a summer, you know. August, I'd say, two weeks up there practicing, and and uh, and I remember getting a slap shot. I wasn't wearing a, a neck guard or a throat shield, and the guy took a slap shot and broke my collarbone, and uh, and I and it basically carried me into training camp where I couldn't I couldn't move my wing. They 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 had basically uh, said, um, you know, we're going to give you another week to heal up, and if you don't heal up, you know, 
we don't have any other choice. Mm-hmm. We're going to look for for a junior, a junior A team to uh, to maybe to assign you to in Alberta and, and monitor you because I was still fourth on the depth chart uh, according to them. Still I had, then, eh? Still then, there was okay. not there was no guarantees and and uh, and then they carried three goaltenders for the start of the season too because they had Fomichev, they had Williams, they had Connors. And they had myself, and then they sent Williams down right away. He was playing junior A, so it was me, Connors, and, and Fomachev. But the conversation was had. You know, we, we we plan on placing you, you know, somewhere in junior if there is a spot, basically, uh, uh, to start the year, and then we can see what, what transpires. But they carried three for the first little bit, and then they ended up trading Fomachev, and then that's when they told me I had I had made the team. So, so what happens then, Brent? I mean, now you've you've know, gone for midget, you got a spot been banged up a little bit now what happens what's the where does the story go from here i just i just i remember seeing how proud my 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 parents were my dad in particular and probably more excited that he didn't have to buy me hockey equipment and that's one of the first things that he had said too is like no more no more bills for hockey it's you're you're off the payroll you're, you're done the payroll, yeah. <laughs> yeah right and uh and i just remember going on the ice and just playing hockey like that was it was it was so refreshing. I'd never really tried to make a team before. Yeah, we had tryouts when I was, sure. you, you know, young, 12, 30 tryouts. I just assumed I was going to make the team, you know. And, and with the Hitman, I just assumed that I was just going to play on the Hitman. Right. I just assumed that. I didn't, yeah. oh, there's there's still three goalies here? Oh, my God, that's crazy. Well, I guess, you know, they'll get rid of one eventually, right? <laughs> not thinking it would be me. Like, not even not even being cocky, just kind of ignorant to the fact that it was it was a tryout, right? right. I, was, I was nervous, but I never really... It never really affected me. And then when I actually made the team, I remember remember Sean McCaslin kind of, you know, I didn't know him really well at the time. He walked up to me. Well, not walked up to me, but I was changing. Was, and then there was one. And I remember, or he said, sorry, sorry, he says, and then there were two. And I'm like, that's an odd comment. And and uh, I'd found out that Fomachev was was traded. And I know they had, they had a pretty good relationship with Fomy. I mean, he was their goaltender that got them to the Memorial Cup. And, yep. you know, he was a fan favorite. He was uh, a little guy. He worked hard. He was a... Uh, uh, very special person to that organization and i remember numerous players not being not being assholes to me but they were like you know big shoes to fill like foamy foamy carried a lot of weight around here and you know it was a and i was like yeah sure no yeah yeah, sounds good i think i can yeah i'll do it no problem like not even like not even really catching a drift of what they're saying like you better be good man or else type thing i was like yeah no i I can do that yeah uh uh-huh and then we just went back and forth connors and i we played you know I think I played, ended up playing 39 games that season. And we had such a good team. And, uh, and I remember just going out and playing hockey and just, assu- and just like, once again, assuming we were going to win every night, assuming that I was starting every night, which didn't always happen. Right. Dean Clark would never let us know uh, who was starting the day before. It was always written on the board the day of the game. So he'd show up to the rink. He wanted you to prepare equally, right? If you weren't playing, he still wanted you to be prepared. Because you, you, I'm still a kid. Sure. At 17, right? So you know the, the the trust factor from a from a coach is, is obviously not there. Is he going to prepare the right way if he's not playing? So it's we always came to the rink and saw on the board who was starting. Um, but it was just it was just playing hockey. I love the bus. Um, I love playing. I love playing junior hockey. Uh, Calgary was was such a big show for me. It was such a big platform. I didn't even realize it. I always like I always wanted to be a Brandon Weeking. Because yeah. it was, you know, yeah, yeah. two hours from my house. And I'm like, if I can just play in the Keystone Center and smell that horse crap all day long, yeah. I know, like, that's that was my dream. I always wanted to be a weekend. 
Uh, and I went and got to Calgary. I'm like, this is an NHL city. You know, like this is an NHL city. And let's just save that for the NHL. Like I wanted to play in those small junior barns. But, um, yeah, it was just playing hockey. I didn't even think about it. Big rink and, you know, had rivalries with teams. And it was just such a fun time. It was awesome. Was that first game at the Keystone Center against the Wheat Kings special? Yeah, it was. I was horrible. I was so bad. Um, I was so bad. I think I've done the first two shots. Um, I was so, so incredibly nervous. Um, my whole family came out to watch, right? Uncles, aunts, grandparents, friends, you know, and, and, uh, my old man couldn't watch, couldn't watch the game. I don't think, I think he sat in the truck or the, or the van and listened to it on the radio because, you know, the fans started yelling and, you know, I let in the first, like, like we were a good team that year. And I just remember the first six minutes, I think it was two, nothing Brandon. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, my, I'm, I'm pulled for sure. Like this isn't going very well. And Dean stuck with me. And and we ended up winning the game. I think it was we ended up winning six two, um, but or, or some winning. We won the game. I know that. Yeah. But it was just it was just a, I I couldn't play in Brandon. I could not play in Brandon. I would get so that was the one place that just made me so nervous. It was like now everybody can see that. Oh, I finally made the the the, the Western Hockey League, and let's see how good he actually is. And I would just get lit up and just letting bad goals and just look so shaky and it just it was just a funnel and good thing we had good teams but i i, I hated playing in brandon simply for that reason because i never had a good game there so you're in an nhl rink but when does the nhl start to you know get on your radar i mean we all grew up wanting to play in the nhl but you know when did the you know the draft start entering your mind Central little scouting when I was actually ranked. Yeah, you know when I got, I was in the dressing room one day and and uh, Jeff pulls uh, Jeff and Dean pull me to the office like hey you know you're ranked uh, you know number one I think number one or two Western or CHL goaltender. I'm like what does that mean? Like what, is, what does that mean? I'm like well for the draft you know they have the central scouting draft. I'm like yeah, I'm like yeah you're, you're you're the top like you're tops of the list. I can't I, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm guessing I was number one but I could have been number two at the time or three I'm not sure but. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, wow, like people like there's scouts in the stands. Like there are people that come watch. <laughs> like I, I just couldn't, I'm like, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. And then, and then I get invited to the CHL top prospects game in Toronto. And I'm like, my God, this is unbelievable. And I'm still like, was I'm that orange cherry? Was it still? Yes, yeah. that was still orange cherry. And, and Bobby Orr is my coach. And, and, uh, and I remember I, my parents came out for that. And my old man's a diehard Leafs fan, and so he got to see the old Maple Leaf Gardens and obviously Air Canada Centre or whatever it's called now. But uh, at the end of the practices before the game, we had there was a shootout. And Bobby Orr said, you know, the, the winner of the shootout, because there's four goalies and then skaters, and he said the skater will get an autographed Bobby Orr jersey and then the top goalie will get a Bobby Orr jersey autographed. And my grandfather was a diehard Bobby Orr fan. So I told myself, you know, I don't care what happens in that game tonight. As long as I get that Bobby Orr jersey somehow, that was my only mission. It's like, get my grandpa that Bobby Orr jersey. That's all I wanted. And I ended up getting it. I ended up keeping it for myself and getting an, getting an, an autographed Bobby Orr uh, picture for my grandpa. It's too, too John from Bobby Orr, right? So that was pretty neat. Um, we then played that game that night and, and literally had one of the games of my life. Like, I remember that game. Like, I was just, I was having so much fun being in Toronto and, I made a. I mean, I made, remember making a pad stack save, and I remember who who makes pad stack saves anymore. It was yeah. a, it was a deadly pad stack save, and I was so proud of myself. And I'd never seen highlights. I mean, the jumbo trauma to go when I was playing with Hitman, but 
you'd watch sports sports net or, or TSN the night yep. after and like that save was on the highlights the highlight pack and I, it was just so blown away and then, then it kind of started to sink in and and uh you know that season though too uh, so many I, mean, I think I was 33 and six like I, you couldn't lose if I tried team was so good we had you know we had guys that could score it well like it it was a lot of uh, most of it was just like the, the guy's ability to score goals. I mean, I remember being down in Medicine Hat one night, going to the third period four-one, and uh, you know Moran and Brendel and Beach just like, yeah, guys, we haven't played a very good game. Let's uh, let's go and win this one. Hey, and we beat them five-four in overtime, and like there's just never any doubt. Uh, but the the, the 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 stubborn old Kootenay Ice, they they were gunning, they were gunning for us. They always played us tough. Yeah. And I remember we traded for Rastislav Stana around at the break. And we dealt Sean Connors to Moosejaw for Rastislav Stan. And, and he started, they, they wanted a veteran goaltender for the playoffs. And so he started to get more of the work when he came on. He started playing more games. And, you know, I understood that. I, I, I was very, very, very upset about it. And it probably affected me more than I should have let it. But I was just a, just a kid and I sure. wanted to play. Yeah, yeah. But I was always smiling. You, you couldn't tell if I was upset at all. So, you know, and then uh, I think we played Moosejaw in the first round. And... And Stana played all four of those games. And I wanted to play playoff hockey so bad. And Stana played off. We beat them. We swept them 4 nothing. So yeah. that was that. And then, then we played Saskatoon the next round. And Stana started the first two games. And then they put me in for games three and four. And I didn't see it coming. I just thought they were going to ride Stana the whole way through. And I played games three and four. And we won both those games. And we swept them. And then I, uh, I think they went back to Stana for games one and two in Calgary. And then they went to me for games three and four in Kootenai. And we lost both those Kootenai games pretty close in overtime, both of them. They, that old crap barn they had. Oh, yeah. I remember they would, they would they had a set play where they'd ice the puck, but it wouldn't rim around. It would shoot back out like a like, – like it was basically like a pass. And that's how, they, that's how they won the game where they fired it down the ice. And I can't remember who got the goal, but it came zipping off the back end right to the guy in front of the net. And he one-timed it in the net. Like I didn't even know what was, yeah. what was happening. It was so fast. But we ended up losing that game. Come back to Calgary for game game five, and that was the first time. Like this is a, it was a sold out building. It was nineteen thousand people, and I never played in front of a crowd like that. And I was just crapping myself. I was so scared. We were down to series three one. I didn't want to go home. I wasn't done, and I got pulled that game because I just I wasn't mentally capable of handling that. I put way too much pressure on myself than needed, and just the, the buzz of the crowd, the just the electricity in the rink, it was unlike anything I've ever felt before, and I wasn't up for the challenge I, I wanted to be but I remember after the game I was so sad I Jeff Marr came over and like I had like tears in my eyes I was just falling apart because I felt so bad a that we were knocked out of the playoffs but I felt like it was my fault I, I only got to play I think five games that year in the playoffs and and I just remember just being completely crushed after that that game because because I'd never experienced that type of defeat before and that type of I guess I, I want to say embarrassment in front of that many people. I didn't have the game, and, and I knew it, and, and I was embarrassed for it. But your hockey season wasn't over, right, in the sense that now the draft was upon you. That's right. And so I went back home and experienced things, again, like I'd never experienced before, just, you know, uh, going on Don Cherry's coach's corner for that prospects whole thing. You know, like that was yep. that was something else. Flew into Newark, New Jersey, and uh, um, got into I had a car service come get me. I didn't even know what car service was. <laughs> um, 
there's a car outside for you. I'm like, I know there's, there's lots of cars out here. I'm, I'll, I'll figure my way around. And they're like, no, that, that guy over there is going to drive you. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is, this is big time. Yeah. And, and did that and got to meet Don Cherry again and, and kind of got to say my spiel on, on Hockey Night in Canada during the Stanley Cup final and, and then zipped right off to Toronto the day later to do the, the, the combine. Um, and I just, going through all those meetings with the different organizations and, and just soaking it all up. And once again, like not having a clue, like just completely out to lunch. Just, I was almost more of a fan showing up for these things. Like, wow, like there's, that's Scott Hartnell. I played against him. He was the PA Raiders. Wow. He's such a good hockey player. Rafi Torres, you know, he plays in the Ontario hockey league. Such a good Rastislav Klesla, Danny Heatley. He plays call. Like these guys are all. Yeah. Unbelievable hockey players. Brooks Orpik, same same draft year. Seeing That's him, right. wow! It's you know, like just stuff like that, and you're like, wow, these guys are great. This is pretty cool. And and then I don't remember much more after that. I I did uh, I I couldn't do a pull up to save my life. Um, <laughs> you know, like just sure? stupid, just just things like that. And then I I remember just uh, uh, you know having meetings with you know, before the draft. Right. right. I was going like, to say, don't you do the interviews there? Yeah, we did some interviews there. I met with, I think, 22 of the 30 NHL teams at the time. I think that, that was the year that Minnesota and Columbus came in in yep. 2000. Yep. So I, I remember uh, Rick Walmsley was a goalie coach for, or consultant, scout, man, you know, member. I don't know what exactly his title was. But I remember him asking me some questions. And when, the one I remember most is, why should we take you over Dan Blackburn, who's coming up next year, who just put you guys out of the playoffs? And the way he said it, I mean, he was trying to get a reaction out of me. Yeah. He wasn't being a jerk, but he was just trying to see how I'd react. And I, all I wanted to do was drill him. That's all I wanted to do was jump over the table and drill him. But, <laughs> and, and, but I remember Rick Wamsley being in Calgary Flame, a team who I'd love, and that, that towel around his neck. And, uh, and, and I, I remember just smiling because I was so pumped to be talking to, to Rick Wamsley. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I said, I really don't know. I, I have no idea. I said, I, I just, I've given everything that I have. And if you don't think that I'm better than Dan Blackburn, then I guess you won't draft me, right? And that's the only thing I could give him. I had no explanation. I, I was too – I couldn't say good things about myself. I felt uncomfortable. I couldn't sure. say, you know, I, I can do, I've done this and I do this. I, 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 don't, I still don't talk like that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I couldn't especially then. So if he asked me to try and sell myself, I wouldn't. I, would, I sold Dan Blackburn. Not like he needed any selling. Like Danny was a hell of a goaltender. Yep. I'm just saying, if he was, to, if you were to say, who should I choose, you or Dan? I'd say probably choose Dan because you know he's. I think he's a phenomenal goaltender too, right? That just my was my mentality. <laughs> I was just so, gosh darn it. I guess you know next yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah. So that's one of the, the interviews I remember. Uh, I remember meeting with the Calgary Flames and uh, Ian McKenzie, uh, busting my balls about wearing glasses to an interview and he and, and there was there was a bunch of them in the and craig button had just come on yeah as, as a gm there and and they were just giving it to me and, and and i thought these guys are a bunch of like what's going on here like they don't like me if they don't like me they don't have to interview me like they, i remember just leaving the interview not overly confident I'm like well i called me like oh i'm not going to calgary i don't think that one went over very well and and ian mckenzie's like yeah you know goaltender wearing glasses to to an interview like don't you think there's something wrong with that and i'm like well i don't know i I wear contacts when I play. Like there are things called corrective lenses. Like I can like get this fixed. Like what do you like? What do you want to yeah, grill yeah. me about? Like I got a hangnail on my thumb too. Like what's wrong, right? And yeah. but you know that's what I was thinking. It's not what I said. No, no. Um, <laughs> but but just the little things that you remember. And it's like I thought not a chance am I going to Calgary. Like no way. Uh, really. 
And uh, uh, San Jose, they made me do another fitness test, uh, like some kind of hurdle thing. And I'm like, my God, this is redundant. I didn't want to be doing any of this. But but having said that, I would just get tickled when a team would reach out to my agent saying, can Brent, you know, come by uh, the, the Westin today at 4 p.m. for for because the draft was in Calgary. Yep. And, you know, they were there a week prior. Like, can Brent come by the Westin at, you know, 4 p.m. for a meeting? And then it was like, okay. And, and then, but Brent, you also have one at 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 7.30, 8 o'clock. And it was just with different teams for final interviews. Mm-hmm. I remember Dallas even having a, um, a like a sports psych, a psychologist there. And I went, I did a Rorschach test. Like, just what do you see here? What do you see here? What do you see here? And these ink blotches. And I'm like, my God. And it's like, there's no wrong answers. And in my mind, I'm like, there's always a wrong answer. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, yeah, right? So, yeah. You know, and I, I remember looking at one one blotch and thinking, yeah, that's uh, that's Batman's water cruiser. Like, that's what I was <laughs> seeing. And, and it's like, I, my God, these guys are going to think I'm out of my mind, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was something. And then you obviously get to the draft and, and uh, it all happened so fast. There's so much, and this may seem like a bit of a weird question, Croner, but would you have preferred the draft somewhere else? Or yes. was it? Yeah. Looking back, yes, absolutely would have. Um, at the time, I didn't know any better, and I'm grateful for it. Like I was so happy to be in Calgary too. Don't get me wrong. No, no, but but, but uh, that's not but, it though. No, I I look back on it now, and I wish it would have been someplace else. I really do. Um, it had no impact on me. Just the fact that it's it was like I played for the Hitman. You know, when I was it was seeing so much. So like so, you know, I was I was in Toronto and I was playing hockey in Calgary, and then I'm going to Portland to play against the 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 the, the Winterhawks in Seattle. And I'm like, yeah, you know, on the drafts in Calgary. I mean, I didn't care, but I'm like, it'd be cool if the draft was in New York or if it was in LA because I was kind of just my mind my head was swelling a bit, you know, like not to the point where I was where I was arrogant, but I was just like, yeah, you know, it's all coming at me so fast. Well, that and the fans that were there probably wanted. 50 of them wanted this, 100 wanted this person and that stuff. It, it would have been so much easier just to have your name called, go up and, and you know, not have yeah. to worry about all of that stuff, right? Yeah, and 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 I was, I, I'm sure you probably wouldn't remember, but I, I'm a fast talker, but I was a faster talker then. And I remember being so nervous talking to the media. I wanted to so bad, but I could barely spit words out. And yeah, I, sure. And I, and I was always very careful of what I said. I never wanted to to hurt anybody's feelings or, or to come across as a, as a selfish, ignorant person. And so to answer so many questions, to be pulled in 10 different directions to, you know, even being in the city at the time and, and people knowing what was going on and being stopped, I was stopped quite a bit everywhere I go. It was this and that. And you know what? It was, it was exhausting because all I wanted to do was just put my feet up, relax and have a couple beers with my buddies and see where, see where this all went. But it was just being pulled you know, in, in, in multiple directions that uh, it, I was tired, you know, yeah. I, I, I was tired and, and I felt the pressure because it was in a city where I was known, you know, and, and everybody said, we get, you know, got high hopes for you, hopefully this and hopefully that. And, and, and that's kind of all where it started, not from just general population, but the pressure that I started to put on myself way more than I ever had. Did you feel any kind of um, competition with Danny Healy? Nope. Okay, because Heatley was the local guy. He wasn't playing locally, right? Yeah. And he went really high in the draft. Yeah, I'm did. just wondering if you kind of felt like, you know, no? No, 
not not for a second. I was happy, honestly. I would I would rather have somebody else do the talking. Not now, but back then, I I had because he was the it, focus. He was oh absolutely right. yeah. Spotlight was on him. I was so happy yeah. it was on him. I f- I feel better. I've always just felt better when it was off me. Yeah, I felt a lot more comfortable when when I didn't. Even when I, I recognize might be too extreme, but I didn't have to. I wasn't falling around. I wasn't asked a million questions. The expectations weren't there. I mean, it's all Danny Heatley, Danny Heatley. You can have it. I was really, I was really happy when he got, it was, if him and I were standing side by side and they go talk to him, I couldn't have been happier. Yeah. Um, in conversation with Brent Crown, our guest here on the podcast, not sure what sports are provided in Calgary. Sport Calgary Sport Director will help you find the sport and sport organization that is right for you. Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. The Flames draft you eighth overall. How does your life change? Drastically. Um, because now it's the real deal. Now it's the real deal, and and I'm trying to. Well, I'm trying not to think, but all I can do is think. There's there's more people than I can ever imagine trying to get a hold of me doing interviews here. I remember going on radio shows in Toronto. I remember Darren Duchesson interviewing me, and and I'm like, why why do they all want to talk? I mean, I know why they want to talk to me, but it's just, I, I, it's nothing's really different. I said, I'm just the same old me. I don't, I don't know why I got to talk to all these people. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. Uh, I remember going to training camp, uh, scared, S-less, you know. Yep. Um, Mike Vernon was my hero growing up. I got to room with him. Um, I went up to him right away and introduced myself to him and told him my whole story. And he looked at me like, <laughs> yeah, good for you. That's, that's great. But we're here to compete for a job. And like, he was an ultra competitive guy too. Right. And yep. I talking to him after, uh, this is all said and done, even as recently, you know, he was just saying too, he was a guy that, you know, there's always somebody younger coming up to try and steal his job. And he, yep. he had to be focused for every training camp because somebody was coming and, you know, you got to respect that, that competitive nature. And for me, it was like meeting my idol. And I just wanted him to say, "Hey, Croner, how you doing, buddy?" I think you know what I mean. And it was just, it, but and it wasn't, nope. it wasn't all warm and fuzzy. It was like guys were, guys were serious. Guys yep. were intense. And 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 there were then they were men, right? Like I was an eighteen year old punk, and and there were men in the in in the in the meeting. There were guys that have played a lot of years in the National Hockey League. There were there were some pretty big boys. And just seeing, you know, Don Hay was the head coach at the time, and Craig Button was the GM, and and. Just being around it, it, it intimidated me a lot. It really did. It, it, uh, you know, my first, I don't even remember my first training camp, Rob. I don't. I remember it, it all happening so fast. Going through fitness testing, like an actual fitness test, scared the hell out of me yep. right off the bat. Yep. Um, and then just the intensity of everything, the 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 workouts afterward. Not like they were hard, but just the, the level of commitment. Like you know, playing junior, you know, your trainer gets you to do some exercises afterward and. I remember being in Kamloops one night and I, and I wasn't playing and I, I'm riding the bike and not I'm pedaling the bike. I'm not yep. getting a workout in it. And Kissio walks by me and goes, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting a workout. And he goes, that's not a workout. He goes, like, you, you need to get your heart. You need to get going here. And he went to grab the trainer and kind of gave him crap and said, get out there and show this kid what he's supposed to do because he's just pedaling on zero resistance and thinking he's he's getting something. <laughs> he's getting something in. Yeah. So I uh, – I get to training camp and it's just, it's fitness, it's intensity, it's guys scrapping for jobs. It's, it's, uh, it was tough. And, and me kind of being the friendly, easy going, happy go lucky, gosh, I'm just happy to be here mentality. I didn't cut it. Right. And I, and, uh, and I started to think, you know, I'm like, well, you're first round draft pick now you got to act like it. Well, what is acting like a first round draft pick 
mean? I didn't. But your first round draft pick, you got to, you got to be good. You got to be the best one out here. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And and by the time, I mean, I can just like thinking about it now was exhausting. Mm-hmm. I, I know how my mind was then, but thinking about it now exhausts me. Um, I was always. I mean, it's, it's easier to 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 in my, my mind to try and battle from behind. You know, to, to battle for that top spot as opposed to yep. to hold that top spot. Yep. So I was comfortable all year in, in, in with the Hitman being an unknown and, and going as high as I did because nobody expected it. They were like, wow, you're actually, you're not bad. You might actually be, wow. You know, and then the right. expectation changes, changes, changes. 100%. And we'll get and into the, yeah, I want to get into that. But before we do that, let's finish off the junior career because how would you describe the remainder of your junior career? Because you did get injured, correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got injured, I think, three times. Right. And significantly, too, not just uh, I'll have a, have well, a headache. Let, let, let me ask you this. When I first yeah. came to Calgary and I got to know you, I was left with the impression that nobody's supposed to know, but Brent was really hurt, and Brent had yeah. to relearn the position. Did oh, yeah. You, you Did you have to relearn the position? No, I did. Uh, I, was a, I was a big, big, uh, lanky goaltender with a lot of flexibility. Yep. And... Uh, and I and I relied heavily on my size and my flexibility, and that was it. My reflexes, like it, it was, to be six foot five and and be able to, to move to cover the amount of air. I didn't do it like gracefully, but mm-hmm. I was able to to get across and make the saves and a lot of desperate looking saves. But I also put a lot of torque on my joints and in particular my knee. And I had some knee, knee issues in in midget where they weren't crazy bad, but kept me out of lineup a little bit. Okay. And so the second year, second year junior. Um, my meniscus went on me, and, and and I was young enough where they where they tried to they tried to repair it, and uh, they repaired it. I was out for the rest of the season, and I came back the next season and I ripped it again. And so they said we're just going to remove it, and they did a bunch of other things to it because my my kneecap was loose, like I had a it's a subluxing kneecap where it doesn't dislocate, it just pops out, pops back in. Oof. And it was just, it was uncomfortable. I'd do a left crossover to try and stop the puck in the net and it would pop out and pop back in. Or I'd slide in the, I'd try to push from my left to my right. And in that, that drag with my left leg would pop it out and pop back in. And and it's because I wasn't, you know, later on, you know, talking with Dr. Motadi and, and, and the strength and conditioning coach, Rich Hesketh and Morris Boyer, you know, those guys cared about me. I, I, I felt it. They, 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 they did everything they could for me. And, yeah. and they, they, they reevaluated just the mechanics of how I did things, how I walked, how I skated, how I rode a bike, how I, you know, what, and, and basically it came to the conclusion that I wasn't firing certain muscles when I'd walk. I would hyperextend my joints. I would just put a lot of torque on, on, on things. And, and I, I mean, I didn't know. I, and it was just you being you. Just like how I did yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember this, this, the second knee surgery I had, they just said, well, you know, we're going to have to completely redo this. And, and I had to relearn how to walk. Like they, I, not like, and when I say walk, it's not like I was, like I couldn't walk. It was the fact no, no. that I, when I walked, I had to walk with a bend in my knee. Yeah. I had to, I had to, uh, fire muscles I had to think about firing muscles I had to think about firing muscles on the ice when I went down I had to think about firing muscles which is so hard when you're a goaltender you're not supposed to think right you're supposed to go out there and stop the puck but when you're thinking about the mechanics of how you move it is next to impossible to try and do anything else right and so the rehab of trying to to just rewire my brain was really really difficult. I remember it, there was a Flames game and and they were video uh, videoing my workouts just for something to do on the on the jumbotron for whatever an intermission. 
and Rich Hesketh had had these these black plywood mock plates. It's just basically for picking the bar up with no weight, but just being able to pick it up off the ground. They had these fake plates, but he spray painted 500 pounds on there. And so I would be doing these squats with 500 pounds and people in the saddle. I'm like, you're squatting a thousand pounds like nothing, right? <laughs> I remember like, yeah, I know. Rich has got me on some type of crazy program right now. You should try it. And just trying to sell it. It was pretty, pretty funny. But, you know, they, uh, I rehabbed. Me and Rich became so close for those and Morris. Like just those two guys especially like you know we talk all the time and and, and yeah. you know they're they're friends to this day and yeah. you know what and i sit there and and i think my god if it wasn't for those two guys and their positivity their expertise their their you know because i mean it, it's tough being injured when you're at the best of times but when you have a ton of expectation on you too yep and to and to to be able to 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 try and manage that i couldn't have done it myself you know i mean chris uh, chris rich and uh, and Morris were were unbelievable with just like they're like just don't focus on the outside noise like like that doesn't do you any good just focus on yourself you'll get there be patient we'll go to bat for you you be honest with us and and we'll we'll make sure that this gets done right and and you know I I trust those guys like you have no idea uh, you know Dr Motadi fitted into that as well where he was very honest and upfront with me um, he was very uh, 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 direct. And, and it just, it helped me out uh, a ton. So anyway, I got through all that and then I had a third injury with the, with the hitman and that was kind of it for my hitman career. Yeah. You know, I didn't go under the knife that time, but I did bang it up pretty good. And the, the consensus was, is to rehab it. And then that's when Seattle picked me up and I finished my career out with the Seattle Thunderbirds. And it was a lot of fun there. I, we went to the third round and, and had a lot of, you know, great, great time. But you, you had a bit of a run there, right? So. Yeah, you know what's funny? My first game in Seattle too. I, I we, we won seven six against. I think it was Tri City, and then we had nineteen shots. And uh, and I and I remember that was probably one of the games I had the most fun in. Believe it or not, we won the game. We landed seven goals, and the, the, the goals that were going in, it was like Plinko from The Price Is Right, where it just it was bouncing off everything. And I'm sure a couple of those I should have had. And I just remember smiling because I'm just so happy to be back playing hockey again. And, and I went into the to the coach's office. Dean Chanelth was the head coach, and. And I went into his office. Rob Sumner was the assistant, and I, I go in. I'm like, guys, I said, thanks for not pulling me. And and they looked at me they're like, yeah, we were thinking of pulling you. I'm like, no, I I would too, but I, sure. I really appreciate you sticking with me. I think that I, that really helped me kind of get over a bit of a hump. I'll be better next game. Yeah. And uh, and I remember I got I think it was uh, three shutouts in five games the remainder of the year, and uh, had a great playoff with a great group of guys, and ended up losing to Kelowna in five games in, in round three. What? I, I didn't. I don't want to go as much chronological. I just want to touch on a few things with you. One is, and and I remember talking to you, and I remember talking to Eric Nystrom about this. It it would have been easier for you, Brent, not to be drafted in the first round, right? Oh yes, hundred percent. That that that's a tough. Like it's there's a lot of prestige, and I get that and everything, but um, boy, you if you don't burst onto the scene right away, you carry that weight for a long time, don't you? Oh, for sure. I still carry it, man. I still do. I, I mean, I make I make jokes about it quite a bit because I think you gotta have a you gotta have a sense of humor. Um, um, but uh, uh, you gotta have a sense of humor about it. But I still am pretty like it still doesn't haunt me. But I think about it quite a bit. Because mm-hmm. um, just my mindset, the way I operate too. I mean, I, I just knew that if even to get drafted was a thrill for me, right? No matter what round in the National Hockey League would have been a thrill. And you can't go back and say woulda, shoulda, coulda, and all this kind of stuff. But I do know that like that moment is when I started putting the world on my shoulders and thinking, okay, you know what? You've had fun playing hockey. 
now it's a job. And now you now you got to prove to everybody that, you know, like there's people's livelihoods on the line, too. You know, guys stick their neck out to draft you. They put their name. On, and I'm like, you know, I, I got to make sure that I, 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 I make I keep to my word to, to Ian McKenzie, to Craig Button, to to all these guys that, that believe in me that I don't let them down. You know, I, I could I, I never wanted to let myself down, but I could live with that. I, I, I would never want to let anybody else down. And, and I just felt like I would just take that burden. Like, oh, you know, I had a bad game. Oh, you know, I went ninth overall and I let in four goals on, you know, 12 shots and got pulled. And that's not acceptable for a first rounder, right? right. I, I would never give myself a break. I would never, I was never able to release. I would always hold on to it. I would take it with me everywhere I would go. And it took me so long to mentally, to mentally just get stronger to deal with, to deal with that. Not to, to make it, and it's not my attempt to make excuses or anything like that. The other thing that I don't think worked in your favor, and we've never talked about this, was that your first pro hockey assignment was in Lowell on a split affiliate. And, and yeah. not having the, the, the Flames supply the coach and all of that. That was a challenge, right? Well, it was, it was tough because my first pro year, I remember going to training camp and they told me, you're going to get black and white equipment because we were splitting affiliation in the American Hockey League. You will probably start the year in the East Coast with the Las Vegas Wranglers. We don't know what your future holds. I, I remember I, I stayed up for the first game of the season, I think, because Turek got a concussion in training camp or something. Um, can't remember how it all transpired, but I remember being sent down to, to the East Coast Hockey League, played a couple of games for the uh, Las Vegas Wranglers. And then... Uh, and then got called up to Lowell for two months because uh, so there was another injury up top. So Sabrin went back up yep. to Calgary. I came back, filled in Lowell, then got sent back down to Las Vegas, then went back up to Lowell, then got loaned out to Florida and played in San Antonio. And I hated that year. Oh, I yeah. absolutely hated that year. You know, it was going from being kind of a stable, you know, number one goaltender in the Western Hockey League kind of things were pretty finite. You knew where you were, you knew where you were, what position you were in and, to just basically being bounced around. I, I had never, ever, ever experienced anything like that. And I was, you know, I remember you know, some of the scouts would come down and say, hey, you know, how can we, you know, is everything going okay? What's happening with this? What's happened with that? And I I remember saying, you know, I I didn't complain about all the, the bouncing up and down. I just remember saying something about, I wish I knew when I was starting a bit more because they still wouldn't tell me when I'd start. I'd just show up to the rink and they'd just say, you're playing. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm 21 now, or 22, whatever it was. I'm like, like, tell me when I'm playing. Right. And I and I remember saying, I can't remember who the scout was, but he told me to, you know what? He says, you know what, Brent? He says that's you 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 need to be tougher than that. Like, you know, you need to fight through this. You need to be ready every. And it, you know what? He, he made some very good points, and I didn't like the way, I didn't like what he said, but I knew he was. He had some there sure. was some validity to it, right? So. Sure. You know, but at the end of that season, though, I was able to be a black ace when the Flames went to the Stanley Cup final, and I mean that was that was a real game changer for me too. Just um, being around Kiprusov, yeah, you know, uh, in particular, being around even Roman Turk. I like Roman because he was so easy going. He would hide a lot of his his pressure, a lot of his not fears is too aggressive of a word, but uh, his expectations through humor. And I found him to be incredibly hilarious. And at first, I thought nothing bothered this guy, but a lot did. He was mm-hmm. very, he was very competitive, but he would never tell you he was competitive. He'd never tell you he was upset. He would just make jokes. And he was such a fascinating guy, from the standpoint. I had Peter Marr on the podcast, and we talked about this. He was the guy when the season yeah. started. He was the guy, 
and then the injuries happened, and Kiprasov came in, and then it's Kiprasov's team, and then Kiprasov got hurt, and then Roman Turek got the net back in January, and there was a whole bunch of people. Ooh, would Roman Turek win the spot back? And, you know, I think people wanted to run him out of town, and then they traded Jamie McLennan, and then Kiprasov was running, and then all of a sudden Turek starts pulling off wins and, and shutouts, and, and his spot starts on the road, and people wanted him. Like Rome, that was a you had a weird year. Rome, the goaltending from top to bottom that year was bizarre. Yeah, it was it was quite a carousel. It was so it was so unpredictable, and I didn't really. I, I remember I, I got I think it was that season. It was could have been that season too, where I got called up for for just a brief period of time, just to back up for one game. I think it was because Jamie McLennan had a cracked sternum. Yeah, he played and, with and a cracked I, sternum. He got a one nothing shutout against the Oilers. Yep. And I remember thinking, how crappy am I that a goalie with a cracked sternum is a choice over putting me in net? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Daryl was the coach at the time, and I thought for sure he'd be like, Croner, you don't get ready tonight. You're, yeah. you're going. You're, we Because they were they was just – they couldn't find enough gold bodies to basically warm bodies to, to play goal for that team for a short period. Nope. And uh, and he's like, yeah, we're going with, with noodles tonight. I'm like, Huh? And I'm like, not a chance. So I was just like, okay, well, yep, yep, you bet. I'll, I'll be ready because he was hurting. Like even in warm-up, he's like, I don't know if I can go. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah, no. If you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll play. I'll yeah. play. Like whatever you need. And he got a shutout. Yeah. And, and and I remember just you know that one game. How much the boys loved him. How much the boys like just on the team just thought he was. They went to the wall for him that game. I remember he was hurting. And they were blocking shots and there was. I mean, Noodles made a ton of great saves. But there was no rebounds. Even if there was a rebound, somebody was diving in front of it to whack it away because they, they were playing for him. They wanted him yeah. to win. And I, I just I didn't really talk. I didn't know Jamie then, and I but I was just around him briefly and just kind of realizing the type of impact you can have being a good person and a, and a good teammate. You know, especially as a goaltender, was it was very important to me. Yeah, that's you know great observation to make because it it, it would play itself out for you that way but it will also continue to play itself out way for McLennan. you mentioned though you were a black ace you were here for that 04 run yeah um that there's so many little stories that come out of that but tell me about watching Mika Kiprasov on that playoff run I couldn't believe how poised he was in all those games I, 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 it blew me away because the, 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 I'd never been to an NHL playoff game. I'd never heard the, the crowd, mm-hmm. the buzz, the electricity in the building, even when nobody was in it, but showing up to the game at game time, just the, like, there was just something, the electricity in the air. And I remember I joined them, uh, for game five in Calgary and I, and I literally, what happened was the season ended in San Antonio, yep. and Dwayne Sutter was in the in the in the rink waiting for me afterward. And Dwayne comes and sits down beside me. Goes, Daryl needs you to uh, to come up, uh, and you're going to be the third goaltender for the Calgary Flames. And I'm like, who are you? Like I knew who Dwayne Sutter was, but I'm like, <laughs> but you you work for the Florida Panthers, I think. Yeah, he did. Like, why, are you, why are you telling me this? Yeah. And he and I didn't argue with him. I, I just you know I said, hey, I said, yeah, he's yeah. like. Uh, Daryl, yeah, sure, okay, no problem, good enough for me, right? So everything, Mike Burke, uh, you know, organized the flight from San Antonio to Vegas because all my stuff was in Vegas. I go to Vegas, grab, you know, grab a cab, go to my condo that they'd rented for me, packed up all my stuff, and left the next morning and drove to Calgary, the, the, the 18-hour drive or whatever it is. You drew, drove from Vegas to Calgary? Drove, drove to Vegas to Calgary, got in. I didn't stop. I, I got in um, at about, you know, I think it's 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 
showered up, had, or sorry, had a nap, showered up, and, sh- and they gave me two tickets for my wife and I to go watch the game that night in the crowd. And so I, I watched the game in the crowd, and they said, they have your bags packed and your gear ready. The flight leaves tomorrow. Uh, no, no, they were leaving after the game. Yep. To And, and they had me fly a commercial the next day to join them in, in Vancouver for, for games, game, uh, whatever it was, or no, sorry, game six. Sorry, game six is when I joined them in Calgary. Yeah, so you and went to game, game seven. Game yeah, seven in yeah. Vancouver, yeah. So then I get in, I get in by myself. I just kind of take a cab to the to the hotel. And I asked the, the, the person behind the counter, go, excuse me. I said, do you mind telling me who I'm rooming with? And she goes, you're rooming with Chris Simon. And I was like, oh, my God. No, I don't want to room with him at all. And, you know, he was a big, scary, tough man. And I, I don't know. Okay, I said, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. No big deal. Don't worry about it. So I, I grab my bags, go up to the room, and there's nobody in the room. It's 7.30. There's nobody in the room. I'm like, oh, he's probably out at dinner, but there's no, there's no bags in the room. And I'm exhausted. I'm so tired from traveling for three, four days. Yeah, I just yeah. want to go to sleep. It's yeah, all I yeah. want to do. I grab some dinner, and I'm like, I just want to go to bed. And uh, so I didn't know which bed to choose. I was like, well, the veteran gets to choose all this stuff. I just, whatever you want, so I just, I'll take the scraps. And uh, I just remember sleeping in the chair in the room till about 11 o'clock at night, just worried that I would be sleeping in, in Chris Simon's bed when I woke up, and he'd be there over top of me beating the crap out of me. <laughs> so finally at about 11 o'clock, I woke up and he's not here. Like this isn't, doesn't make any sense. It's a playoff game. He should be, you know, he should be in by now. So I'll, I'll take my chances and go to bed. So I hopped in bed, go to sleep, wake up, still no Chris Simon. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So I get up and, uh, there's, I know a couple of the guys. So I text them. I'm like, Hey, you guys, one time you going down for breakfast? And I joined him for breakfast and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm there. Who are you rooming with? I'm like, ah, oh, Chris Simon, but he didn't, he didn't show up last night. Like, I don't know what's going on. I felt like I was ratting him out. Yeah, yeah, I, was like, yeah. oh, maybe. I was like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have said that. But he, but also there's there's this big bear bear claw on my shoulder, and he just crushes my shoulder in his hand. And he goes, "You Brent?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, Chris, how are you doing?" And he's like, "Hey, man." He says, "I heard about you know like you had to travel a lot to get here." And he says, "I have a tough time sleeping at night, and you know I go to bed pretty late, and and uh, just because I can't sleep, and so I didn't want to disturb you. I knew you were tired, so the team got me in my own room just so you could catch up on some rest." Wow. And I'm like, huh? You know, I was just blown away. <laughs> I was blown away by it. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? So. Yeah. You know, and then I, t- I took pregame skate with the club, and, you know, Kiprasov took whatever he needed, and I took the rest, and then uh, obviously the rest is history. Is the Detroit series six-game win over Detroit in round two the best performance by a goaltender you've seen? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, you know what? And, Pretty and special, think, right? It, wasn't it game five where they – where they were shut out for nothing. And I don't think Kipper Kipper played exceptionally well or could have been can't remember what game it was, but I know that the Red Wings oh, yeah. kind of blew the blew the doors there off was the one. flames. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like five nothing or something like that. And I can't remember what game it was. But it was in Detroit. And I remember walking to the back of the bus. And I well, I walk into the bus and Kipper looks at me and he kind of say, Come over here, come over here. And so I'm like, Yeah, okay, yeah. Thinking he maybe we want to go over the game, or I don't know what he wanted because we didn't really talk. I mean, he was in the zone. I stayed sure. so far away yeah, from yeah. him; it wasn't even possible. Yeah. And and, uh, and so I'm sitting beside him, and he's and he's telling me jokes. He's telling me jokes. <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm splitting my side, and I'm like, what is what is the matter? I, and the guys are looking back at me, like, Croner, shut up! If Daryl hears you laughing, you're gone. Like like yeah. do not 
make our lives a living hell because you can't control it. And Kip just thinks this is hilarious. And he just keeps just, I don't, I remember like, I'm like, Kip, shut up. Like I remember, I remember like, just shut up, Kip. I'm going to get in trouble. And he's laughing. He's having a great time. And he just lost five, nothing. And then he goes out and plays the game. Like maybe yeah. not his life, but the game I've seen him play. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like just to, Everything was 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 like a tractor beam to him. He was so he was oh. his 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 read on the plays. Yep. His hand was was there before the puck was there. He was he was so dialed in. He would he wasn't overly big guy, but he could battle in front of the net. He covered low so well. He was incredibly flexible. Just I he made so many key saves. I a I buck, don't even know where to begin. A buck ten in the, in overtime in game six. Detroit should have won that series or uh, should have won that game. Should have won that game. Yep. Should have been going yep. back to Detroit. But he, he just, I, you're right. I mean, he didn't win all those games, but that series, I'll tell you, from start to finish, might have been one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Well, clutch. Yep. Clutch saves, right? Like, and he, he could bounce back. I remember them doing a shot on CBC of him, you know, when he, when he has a bad game, how does he bounce? And he, he was unbeaten, you know, like, I think he, he was, whatever it was, 6 and 0 or 7 and 0 after a poor, a poor performance. And he come in and he would just shut the door. Yeah. And, 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 how many times a game could have got out of hand, or or the Flames had a lead, and he would make that save, yep. or 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 if the if the Red Wings had a lead, but he wouldn't let it get out of hand, he'd make that one save to keep it a one goal game. Like just his the, the knack for him to make a save at the right time, in 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 that series, but overall in that playoff, I just just big game goaltender. I was blown away, and and just he did it all very unassumingly. He just kind of went out there and did his business, and his, he'd make all those funny faces, and he'd squirt his water, he'd spit it out, he'd. It was like I had never seen it before. No, and and it, you know, listening to you talk about it, it's kind of reassuring in a way because from the media, we're kind of sequestered to the outside. We see glimpses of it, and I think I think I know what I thought, but I've talked to enough of his teammates and everything that there's, you know, Brent, are you a goalie goalie? Yes. Yeah, Kiprasov was something else. I mean, yeah. there's goalie goalies. Brizgalov was a goalie goalie. Mike Smith yeah. was a go- is a goalie goalie. I don't know how you describe Kipper. I, I don't no, know what no. it is. You know, and just the way he he carried himself. Like, I almost thought he didn't care. You know, like he just he 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 did. Obviously, he did. But what I'm saying is, like he was just so aloof to mm-hmm. everything, the way, or the way he made it seem like he was like a duck paddling on the water, like on top. He was totally calm and relaxed. And his feet were moving 100 miles an hour underneath. And and you and almost have to put him into a category of his own because you watch him on the ice, he, he had structure. Like he wasn't like oh, a yeah. Dominic Hasek yeah, yeah. where he would flop over the place, incredibly athletic. But you could say Dominic is just a unique individual. You can't teach that style. With, with Kiprasov, he played a pretty structured game. He was fundamentally very sound. He was very patient. Um, his rebound control was excellent. His reflexes were crazy. And, and his competitiveness to me was... A, a hidden gem. Guys that would practice against him, when he really wanted to turn it up, you couldn't beat him. And and, and he was just despite what you know the way he, he carried himself um, about a guy that kind of didn't didn't care just with his oh yeah, yeah well oh the score was three two today oh I I didn't know yeah. he knew and and he and he did not want to lose and it just I can't put my finger on it still to this day but he. There was just something about him, the way he he played. The Finnish goaltenders play very similar. You look like an Ontario Nidamaki, a yep. Passy Nerman, and guys sure. that just have a very Kari Lettinen, and guys they're very fluid. Tuka Rask, they're very fluid goaltenders. They're very uh, they're very athletic. They're very fluid. 
And, and Kiprasov was the first guy that really kind of made me made me realize that. Like everything for him was just so soft and so smooth, and he covers so much ground in a short period of time. And his glove hand was fantastic, and and just everything about him was just it was literally perfect. He you use word the use the word aloof, but don't ever think that he didn't take it seriously. From what I gather, he he watched more video than yep. anybody in real time. Like he was a constant consumer of the game and, and knew, yes. and you know, he was pre-read before he came to, to work. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The guy knew, the guy knew what he was doing, right? Yeah. He knew what he was doing. He took it very seriously. Uh, he'd speak his mind too. I mean, if he had a few issues, I mean, he wasn't a big talker from what I know. I was only around him for a short period of time, but him and Dave Marcoux had a special relationship. And I know that, that, that Kipper gave him a hard time too. He liked, he liked to play jokes. He liked to have oh, fun. Yeah. He liked to screw around with guys. And Dave was one of those guys where Dave was a, you know, very, he was very committed, very serious. It was one of his, his first job with the national hockey league. And, and Kipper soft did, did wonders to kind of help, help Dave put himself on the map, right. Yeah. With having a pupil like that. And, and you know, I remember uh, uh, Kippersoft. Just he would be watching game tape all day long. Yep. Do this, you know. And they go through things, and, and he wouldn't. There's a lot of times where you know guys just nod their head in in in, in, in video sessions. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh huh. Yeah. No. That. Yep. Yeah, that works. Uh huh. And he would be talking back to Dave, like, well, if I did this, you know, or what do you, th- you know, I, I was thinking about doing this and this this sequence, and so and so was a right-handed shot, and you know, there's you know, and it's just like all like just the stuff that. You know, it's at such a high level that you know it just it goes past just stop the puck, right? Like there's there's a lot that went into to how he prepared for a game. Meanwhile, to be a young goaltending prospect in an organization that just picks up a goalie who's in his prime and now is going to play seventy games a season was not good timing for you. Ooh, no, no, <laughs> no. That was a tough one, and I, you know, I remember. Um, my first year I went down to be a, like, like to go to Omaha in, in 04, 05. And, uh, and I knew I was going down cause yeah. I hadn't really played a full season in the, in the American hockey league. And, and, uh, oh no, I was, no, I was actually in Lowell cause that was, we were still split. Yeah. Cause Connie was, was down there was with locked. you too, right? Yeah. 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 It was and a lockout that year with Gio, Chuck Kobasu and, and, uh, Mike Commodore and, and, uh, Eric Stahl and, and all that. And we, the, the teams were so good down there too. I mean, yeah. Providence Bruins had Patrice Bergeron, and right. you know, like it was. Uh, I just point out, Lowell was a split affiliation, Calgary and Carolina. That's why Eric Stahl's name came up. Yeah, for right? sure. You're absolutely right. Yeah, hundred percent. Cam Ward. Cam right? Ward. He was, yep. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we had a good year that year, but it, every time that it came down to who's playing in the playoffs, who's got the big game, you know, this that, it was always. I think I played 35 games that year. Cam played 50, like with mixing in, getting pulled and starts and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And I remember Tom Rowe was the head coach, and I, I, this is kind of the first time that I not stood up for myself, but you know, Scotty Allen was the assistant coach, and he was unbelievable, very influential in my career. What a, he was such a good man. He was with. I'm glad you brought up that Lowell. name because there's an inside hockey name. He's bounced around. He's been in a lot of organizations. The next person that says a bad thing about Scotty Allen will be the first person that says a bad thing yeah. about Scotty Allen. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I remember going into Tom and Scott's office and they closed the door and said, hey, you guys got five minutes. And they said, sure. And, you know, I just said, you know, I'm like my personality is I'm a very easygoing guy. I like to laugh. I don't like to be a burden in the room. I'm lighthearted. I joke around. I have some fun. I'm smiling all the time. But I said, I don't want you guys to think that I'm happy not playing. Like I said, I just want you to know that, you know, I don't want you to get the wrong idea that I think this is great. I'm a backup. That's not my that's not my mindset. Like I want to I want to play. So I'm not being an asshole. I'm just. 
I'm letting you know that I'm, I'm serious. Yep. And uh, it was a big step for me in, in that aspect. But still, I mean, I think the only big game I not even a big game, but I remember Daryl coming down one time, a couple times, but the one times in particular, and you know, everybody was, you know, Chuck Hobus, we kind of, Daryl's coming to the game tonight. Daryl's coming to the game tonight. And I don't think I was supposed to start that game, but I started. It was against Bridgeport in Bridgeport. And I think we beat them two one or three two, and and uh, I think that was the only real game that I got that was because you know there there you know the Calgary brass was in the crowd but nine times out of ten if you know and Cam had a hell of a year that year too mm-hmm. I mean he his his numbers were better than mine he was he had a really good season and that wasn't uh, I'm just talking more to the competitive side for me I, I thought I deserved more of a shot that season yep. but yeah, yeah. that's that's the way she goes and, and Cam deserved uh, all but, the credit to him but that's why that and, and nobody really does it anymore nor should they do it have those split yeah. affiliations it's just it it can't work for development you no. needed to develop you need yeah. and, and the other and it's not like I'm trying to build the case for poor Brent. That's not it at all. But with Mika playing seventy games a year, it just does not make sense to put a young guy behind him. It just no. doesn't, right? Well, that's what Daryl told me too. You know, the following season, um, I'm going. I'm going down to Omaha, and that's what he told me that summer. He's like, "You're going down to Omaha. You've never been a starter in the American Hockey League. You've played now two, two season, one season off and on, and one full season yep. as a half and half guy." Yeah. We want you to be a starter, and and so I went into that training camp. I think that was the best training camp I ever had because I'm like, I know where I'm going. Right. I know I'm not making the team, so I'm just going to go there. And, what do I got to lose? Just exactly. go there and play. Yeah, yeah. And and so it took pressure off me. And I remember, I remember going down and, and having a meeting with Daryl, and we had a really good meeting. And, and he just he shook my hand. He looked me in the eye. And he's like, you know, just really good training camp. You know, way to go. But you know, you know where you're going. I said, yeah, no, I, I know exactly where I'm going. And, Got down to Omaha and got pulled the first game. <laughs> you know, I was so it just it was one of those nights where it was just wasn't uh, wasn't for me. Um, but you know, I played fifty six games that year and uh, you were an all star. No, I was an all star. Nope. Well, okay, I thought you were an all star. No, not that season. But we had a bit of we had a tough team. You know, uh, a hard working team is what I meant yeah. to say. You know, Mark Giordano was on that team. Brandon Prust was on that team. We had a bunch of guys that you know had to work. You know, Carson German. Guys that were just, you know, really Warren Peters guys worked hard. Yep. Um, but Ryan McGill was the head coach and Scotty Allen was the assistant. And and I remember um, it felt like and I that every time the game, if I let in three goals by the halfway point, I was gone whether I had 30 shots or whether I had 10 shots. It was just he would pull me. I think I got pulled nine times that season. And I remember coming to the, not wanting to come to the rink. I remember just sitting there thinking like I was not scared, but I was just so embarrassed to get pulled i hate it i hated every yep. second of it sure. and uh i remember after christmas you know uh, i think it was january gilly called me into the office and he was crying i'm gonna play that out of you now the remainder of the season i don't care if you suck or if you're good you're playing because him and i he, we wouldn't get into it but he was waiting for me to to kind of step up to kind of Gilly's Stop a bit of so... a, but he's a bit of a conflict guy, right? Like, oh, for sure, absolutely. You, you know that that's his style. That's, I like yep. Gilly a lot, but that's well, who... I, I owe Ryan a lot too because it, he he uh, he kind of cracked me a little bit, which I needed. To, he made me uncomfortable, which I needed. Yep. You know, I I like to be comfortable. I always have. I still do. And he was one of those guys that would he would get under my skin. He would he would constantly challenge me. He would uh, he was. He was a guy's guy too. You could BS with him and have some fun, but when it came to hockey, you know, he was he, he would he was in my kitchen more than anybody else. There's a story about him in a car and a crane in the arena. Do you know anything about it? No, I, I don't remember. You don't remember a car being put up on top of the arena? 
No, I don't. Okay. I don't. No. Yeah. Gil, 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 he's, he's one of the characters. Again, you had yeah. two of the characters in this game. Who was your tandem? Who was, the, who was your backup? Curtis McElhinney. It was, eh? Was that McElhinney's yeah. first pro year? Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then I remember, I, I, I think I played I, I played 20 of 21 games or something like that down the stretch. We didn't make the playoffs. But I felt so good. You know, he just to know that I was going back in the next night. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. It, it did net. wonders for me. And and I was like, wow, that, that felt good. Like, it all felt like one big game. It's all it felt like. Time flew by. It all felt like one big game. And I have a bad game, and I go back in the next night. And I know, it's, you know, that's not always the case. And that's kind of a luxury. But he, he did it. And I was like, wow, this is this is great. You know, I, and then the next season, I went to Omaha again. And, 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 well, I think that summer, I wasn't sure what year Phil Solvay came on board. Um, I Maybe it was Quad City season. I'm not sure, but now there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, second year in, in, in Omaha, though I I went got sent down, and I think I had a pretty good training camp again, but got yeah. sent down because of Kippersoff, right? And not right. Yeah. because of him, but they're like, you're not gonna sit on the bench for ten, you know, like we need you to play. And and, and he, they basically said, if Kippersoff goes down, we're calling you up to play, like yeah, right? Like, yeah. We're we're gonna give the backup obviously a game, but you would come in and be the starter if you could carry the mail. They're not just giving me the starter's job, but we want a guy that's re- that's ready to go, that's warm, that's playing the games, just to jump in and play, right? Right. And you can't argue with that logic. That made a lot of sense to me. I just didn't want to be that guy that was in the minors. You know, I always just wanted to. I would have taken the job being a backup just to be in the NHL. But and, it, it and made it'd be sense. perfect. And the other, the other thing, Croner, too, in your in your defense is this is about the time Kip- Kippersoff should have been running into some sort of injury problem. Dude went from February 2004 to February of 2013 without a significant injury. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. Isn't that crazy? It's yeah, insane. I know. It is unbelievable. And, and I just, and I had that, that second year in Omaha, I had, uh, I had some more knee issues. Oh, okay. and I, I think I was, I was relegated to 26 games that year. And, and that's when Curtis McElhinney really kind of took off too. Like he had that season and we had a good team. And but we were there was really no superstars in the team. It was all done by committee, and I think we were we ended up finishing first or second in that division and lost in the first round of the playoffs. But yeah. but then that following season, um, I think it was Phil. You know, I had a meeting with Daryl, and, and you know, he told me he's like, you know, he kind of gave me the, the 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 big boy speech about you know the backup job is yours to lose, and just because you're a backup goaltender to start the year doesn't mean that those are just throwaway games. If yep. you play X amount of games, I expect X amount of like these, this amount of points and yep. this and that and that. And it kind of put, put it into a whole new perspective. And I was okay with that. I'm like, yeah, I know Kippersoff. He's the guy. Like I get it. I just want to get in and cut my teeth and get, get going. And, and uh, I remember coming to that training camp and I tweaked my knee three days in and, and I was out for a little bit and that, and Mike Keenan, it was his first year. Mike Keenan was there and Keenan, I mean, it just, he didn't know me and I was a, Band-Aid, and I think Daryl had had. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure Daryl said, you know, like he's. You know, we're we're kind of have him lined up to be the guy if he can prove that to us that he can in this training camp. And it's not that like I embarrassed Daryl, but I know I frustrated him because yeah. I mean, like you had kind of have a set plan as to what's going to go on and how this is going to work. And then of course, three days in, I I go in and and uh, and tweak my knee up a little bit. And I remember that August, I had my second kid, and and uh, you know the I should have taken a bit more. I should have been focused more on, on keeping my my body ready. I think I took my foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I I, st- mm-hmm. I didn't stop training, but I stopped training with Rich Hesketh for a couple of weeks there, three weeks, and I tried to do things on my own. And I think I I I took my focus off a little bit, yeah. and not not intentionally, not intentionally, but 
but looking back on it, I, I could have been a bit more focused, a bit more dialed in. And I got to camp and, and uh, it didn't go very well. And, and then I got sent down to Quad City. And I think that was the year the Phil Solvay was there. I just, I, I, I remember being so mad when, when I had that conversation with the Flames about being that guy. And then they went and signed Phil on a one-way deal. And it crushed me. Yeah. It absolutely yep. crushed me. Yep. Um, yep. And I, it shouldn't have. I should have been stronger. But but I just remember coming out of that meeting with, with the Flames thinking, yes, like this is a first legit shot that they can say Brent Cron is going to prove to us that he can. And it's up to him if he has a poor camp. It, it was his fault. It was up to him. Well, you um, won't remember this, but you and I talked at training camp, and you told me that. Off yeah. the record, we were just sitting there BSing, yep. and you told me this is – this is mine. This is my camp. Yeah. This is, you know, I know. And I, and I felt that. And then they, and then I, I think my agent called me and said, they picked they just so you know, they picked up Phil Sove and they, and, and I'm like, well, did they sign him to a two way or one way? And there's one way deal. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I, and I remember just that getting into my head so much. It just bothered me. It ate me alive all summer. It's like, I was just like, come on. I said, how do guys, you walk into a situation, you look at a guy like Cam Ward who was able to, he deserved it, but he, but there was an opening for him in Carolina. He was like, you are playing on the Carolina Hurricanes this year. And him and Martin Gerber were the guy, and he took full advantage of it. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I'm just sitting there like, why do I have to have the hard way? And, and I mean, I'm feeling sorry for myself oh, at this sure. point, and I'm, sure, I'm in sure. a pity party, and I'm just... But it's you also know, the just, business. You're caught in the business. You're caught now in a league that's two years into a salary cap. We're still yeah. learning the way through it. Right, yep. all of those types of things. Um, why wouldn't you feel that way? Yeah. Right. And so, and I'd never been through stuff like that before, too, because it was always Brent's going to be this, Brent's going to be that. We're going to give him this. We're going to give him that. And you know, a first round pick, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And and then this was kind of the this was the first time it was like, well, it was a bit of a slap in the face. Like, why would you go and get Phil? This is what? where you go from prospect to suspect. Exactly, real fast. Right. And I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with that. I wasn't comfortable with that and I got really really angry. I got really it was a it was a pretty bitter period in my season in my life. Like it was I hated it. We got sent down to Quad City, didn't want to be there. I got another knee injury. Um and they they operated on it and my I I left the team in February to get my season ending knee surgery and that was it. I was happy to be out of there. I was I was like screw this. I'm I'm done. This is bull, you know. Kurt, oh, I was. I was just. I don't. I said, "Quit." Well, I was just going to say, and you know, I like I, I, I my favorite all-time goaltending tandem in terms of human beings was Brent Cron and Curtis McElhaney, two of the nicest yeah. people in the whole world. But <laughs> yeah, Kurt, but but Curtis got the opportunities that yeah. probably would have been yours if you had been healthy. Is that fair? Yeah, a hundred percent fair. And I remember, I, I won't say the gentleman's name, but there was somebody that came down. Uh, uh, from the Flames organization that wasn't in scouting or or uh, um, any hockey ops or anything like that. And he came down and I and he's like, you know, Croner, lots of talk. They're going to give you a chance. And it was my my second second year in Omaha, and I was coming back from knee surgery and I was healthy. And they were like, you know, hey, you know, you're going to get a chance here at the end of the season to come in and play some games. And I'm like, really? Like I am? I really? And and it never happened. It never never happened. I think, and, I, and, think I know who that is. Yeah, you should. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and I remember just like after at the end of the season, I was just I was wired. I was right. just absolutely wired. Leaving the leaving that year, I wasn't the starter in the playoffs. McIlhenny deserved it. I was injured a lot, and and I basically had been relegated to like they didn't want to. They called me up when Jamie McLennan slashed. I can't remember what. No, he slashed. Yeah, they, right. Remember, he went after 
the the Detroit Red Wings. It's, uh, yeah, because I bug him all the time because that was Game Five of that series. He gets yeah. suspended. Technically, Jamie McLennan is still suspended by the National Hockey Yeah, exactly. Hockey League, right. Yeah. You yeah. came up and you backed up. Uh, I'll never forget. It was an overtime Game Six loss. Yep. Yep. And Dominic David Moss. Yep. David Moss had a chance to win it in overtime. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I remember that like it was yesterday. And yeah. I, we were playing Iowa, which is Dallas's farm team in the first round. So McElhinney was starting the playoffs. He played. We played Friday, Saturday. And uh, and I think Noodles did this on the Friday or something like that. So anyway, they, they called me up. The Flames called me up on Sunday morning. Yeah. I flew up Sunday morning to back up Kippersoff that night. Yeah. Um, and the reason why they called me up is because McElhinney was a starter. Right. And so I was just, I remember just being, it was such a bitter call up because like, I'm not playing. So yeah, why not just, I'm not going to play up in the National Hockey League too, right? So you're a warm body. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I back up Kip on Sunday night and then I fly back Monday back to Iowa and and McElhinney starts Monday night. And then we played, we played Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, but I was like, I was back up for five straight games, five straight nights. And I remember just thinking to myself, this could it get hockey wise, goaltender wise, could it get any worse right now? Like you're just here just to fill up space, open the door. Tick the tick the the face off winning box and uh, you know thanks for coming out right at this point you have been attached to Calgary for over a decade yeah. drafted by the Hitman played yeah you went to Seattle come back but you were always Flames property yeah this is the last time right mm-hmm. how how bitter was the separation was it a divorce was it a happy move on thanks for how would you describe your exit. I was pretty sad. You know, all I wanted was was uh, uh, to, to, to come through on my end of it, right? I wanted, I felt like a, a disappointment. Um, it was very hard for me to, for them to give up on me. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that sounds so pathetic, but, but I looked at, like I owed them so much. You know what I mean? They, they gave me a big healthy signing bonus. They gave me lots of money. They gave me, I mean, I want to say they gave me opportunities, but I didn't. I mean, I was injured quite a bit, yep. and and I didn't get my, I didn't, I didn't get a, a big opportunity. You know, I had one that one season where Daryl was like, you you you're gonna be the backup, and I screwed that up with my knee. But I just felt like a disappointment, and it, it was really hard for me to swallow. It was really hard for me to swallow. But then it, it, you back that up, and then it was like, well, this is exactly kind of where I want to be. You know, mentally, it's like I want to be an underdog. I want to be a guy that has no expectation. I would, you know, I want somebody to look, just kind of overlook me every time, and I'll go out there and show you how good I am. Right? right. It was always harder for me to to say, "Hey, I'm this good, and I'll do it every night." It was, you know, that was just kind of my mentality. And so, you know, it was it was hard. It was it was hard. It was a really tough separation. I know that uh, there was a lot of frustration in the organization too, with just should we keep him? Should we get rid of him? Should we keep him? Should we get rid of him? How long do we give him before he comes through? He goes always injured. You know, I, I had some pretty candid conversations with some senior people there, and they, they didn't go well, right? It yeah. was never, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 you know, hey, we believe in you. You keep this going. It's like, you know, just like I'm, I'm tired of, the, of this crap. Like, you know, I, I understand that a lot of it's outside of your control, but you have to – it was more of a business type of transaction, and, and uh, I was really down on myself after that. I, was, I beat myself up for quite some time. I don't want to. I, I don't want to minimize it. I, I want to recognize it. You'd go on the Dallas organization. Um, it seems to me you made a, a real good friend in Mike Valley. The the oh the, yeah yeah the goalie, sure I did. yeah goalie coach there. You'd get your NHL minutes there. You'd yeah. get to back up. 
But I think, and I don't know if you feel this way, but you also got to lead an American Hockey League team to a Calder final, and you were super doing it. You know, just talk about that component of your career. You know, it was it was refreshing. It was refreshing to, I, I was so afraid to leave the Flames too. Like I had a couple, I was a free agent a time or two while I was with the Flames. And yeah. I said, I told my agent, I said, I don't care. I just sign me back with the Calgary Flames. I don't yeah. care what There's they loyalty. offer. Yeah, yeah, sign me back because I got to make this right. I got to make it right. I got to come through. got to make it right. And then when I was released by the, by the, by the Flames, I remember um, Dallas had always showed some interest. Les Jackson uh, was, he's been, a, he's, he was, he was very helpful later on in my career. Good um, man, another good the, man. The probably like I would for me top three people that yeah. you know whether he knows it or not. I had a br- brief interaction with him for three years, maybe four years max. But I have all the the, the love and respect for that guy. He was a tremendous. He's a tremendous human being first and foremost, and he's an incredibly intelligent hockey man as well. And I and I signed with with uh, with the Dallas Stars. And I remember going in for my physical, and and Les Jackson was the general manager, and Brett Hall was the assistant GM. And I remember going in for the meeting, just up them, them two at the practice rink, and I just go talk with them. And, you know, Holly's just there kind of – I never met him before. We were just BS and talking about Mike Keenan, some Mike Keenan stories and whatnot from his point of view. And <laughs> you can imagine how those were going. Yep. And, and, uh, and uh, Les is talking to me, and he's like, Brent, you know, we're really happy to have you. You know, if you had some, you've had a tough go, you know, with you kind of going through my career, injuries, that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's uh, 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 somebody uh, – he said, said Daryl Sutter reached out to me and, and, and wished you luck. He, he said he felt like, you know, you, you, you're a good kid. You work hard. There's a lot of potential in you. You just got to find a way to get to it and get past the injuries. And, and I mean, literally it just blew me away. Like it blew me away. I, I, I didn't expect that in a million years. Not like I thought Daryl didn't like me. Right. But I never thought that that, and for him to even think to tell me that, I thought that was pretty, pretty important. Cause I was still like, I felt bad. I let Daryl down like, literally yeah. from my point of view. And like, it was Calgary flames, but it was Daryl that I, let down and he, and he never made me feel like a disappointment but but myself I, I i respected the sutter family a ton as a kid growing up and just what they stood for and how they played the game and i'm like if i could just you know make these guys like me like we be like the way i played the game like that's all i that's all i need that's all i want that's all i wanted so it was tough to kind of fail at that first attempt and uh then when les told me that in dallas i was like yeah, you know I, I appreciate that that was great and and once again they didn't have a, an american hockey League affiliate that season either so i I started in the East Coast, and I didn't want to be there. And I was no. like, "Gee whiz, this is just awful. Get me out of here." Glenn Gulletson was there the second time around, and and then I get loaned out to Atlanta, uh, which is the Chicago Wolves farm team. Yep. And so I go to Chicago, and I'm only supposed to be there for like a couple games. And then Pavlik was supposed to be sent down. I was supposed to go back to the East Coast. It was just supposed to be another train wreck. But I ended up playing well, and they kept me up there. And Kevin Day off the GM up there was. He's great. He was mm-hmm. one of the one of the, like, like like when I talk about top men in the game. Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. top, right? Yeah. And so Chevy was intense. He was to the point. But he was honorable. He had integrity, and he was he was he was honest to me the whole way through. And uh, you know, I got my first sniff in the National Hockey League, and I remember that. Like I got, I got called up. I was playing with the Wolves, and I got called up. And uh, Friday night. I can't remember who we were playing, but we were in Dallas. And then Saturday, we, we, we were that after the game, we flew to Chicago to play Chicago that Saturday night. And uh, Dave Tippett was the head coach. And, you know, that pregame skate tips like in, in, at home for sorry, Friday. He's like, hey, you know, Corona, have you, you, know, you played a game in the National Hockey League? I'm like, no, I haven't. He goes, okay. Well, didn't really say yay or nay. Just a little tidbit of information for him. And 
So I can't remember what the outcome of the game was on Friday against Vancouver. I think it was three. We won the game or maybe lost. But uh, we get in Chicago late, and uh, it, nobody's skating except for me and, you know, two other guys that yep. aren't playing that night. Yep. And Emerson, Stu Barnes, another great guy, uh, assistant coach for the Stars at the time, and he's awesome. You know, easy guy to talk to, cared about his players, uh, really there to help. Just a good person overall. And uh, I remember we were just doing these drills, and it was a pregame skate. We were on the ice at, you know, 12 o'clock and we, he didn't bag skate me, but it was like, it was a skate. Yeah, I didn't get off the ice till 1.30. Yeah. And then I didn't get to the hotel till 2.30 and I had a quick meal and I, I mean, I'm not playing that night, but I still would like to, to lie down. So I lay down for 30 minutes and then I got up, had a shower, hopped the bus and went back to the rink and my legs were jello. Like I was just, <laughs> oh, it's done. But I'm like, oh, who cares? I'm not playing the night. And... Lo and behold, the second period, we're down 3-1, and, and I, I'm watching the game on the, the football in the in the dressing room, and Brendan Morrison, or not Brendan Morrison, uh, Brent, uh, Brendan Morrill yep. is uh, injured, and we're both watching the game, and he looks over at me and goes, Croner, you're, uh, you're going to go in for the third period. I'm like, listen, and there's one thing I know. It's like I, nobody, like, that just, it's not going to happen. I mean, we're only losing 3-1. Marty Turkle's playing great. Like, why am I, why would I go in? And. So I go sit back in my stall when the, all the players come in the dressing room and Dave Tippett just breezes right by me. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're not going in for the third period. And with about two and a half minutes left on the clock, Tip walks up and goes, Croner, get your, get your ass in the net. I'm like, oh. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm all just wired. I'm fired up, ready to go and step on the ice. I think it was 45 seconds. Goal, the, the, big, the, the big horn goes off in Chicago and I'm like oh boy this, I mean I, I love the, that horn yeah. I love that truck horn in Chicago it was, it's awesome yeah. and I remember smiling when they scored I'm like this is pretty cool too bad it's, I'm on the wrong end of this one <laughs> well they scored two more times and we had Versteeg on the radio here uh, a couple days ago and and uh, it was funny because he got he, he got the third goal with five seconds left in the third period right like three goals and nine shots I mean my life would be so much better now I think if it was two on nine <laughs> but, but, but 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 three on nine was inexcusable so I had to blame him for my my I never returned to the National Hockey League after that and he buried me with five seconds left in the game so I told him it was a joke but uh <laughs> it was funny because after the game you come back into the dressing room and you know you know Steve Ott I mean, we got drafted the same year he shook my hand Croner congratulations on your first game Mike Medano congratulations on your first game and you know once again I was like oh, you know, thanks. You know, they're being you know good guys. I'm like, God, like, really? Three goals and nine? Really? Like, I was just so, so mad. You know, I was happy that I that I made it and I played a game and I was excited. But once all that excitement wore off and I you know, kind of see it for what it is, I'm just like, Jesus, like, come on. And, and you know, I, I have the DVD at home. I still won't watch it. I still won't watch it. I won't. I don't. Uh, I remember it a certain way, and. Uh, I don't want to lose that. Does the, the does the subsequent Calder Cup run bring you any joy? It does, but I you know, I got injured again. You know, in Game Six, uh, the second round, I got a. Concussion. But you came back, right? I came back for the for Game Six of the Calder Cup Final. So yeah. I missed the third round, and I played a game in the in the Calder Cup Final, and that was that was massive. Yeah. And and I had a, had a really good season that year. Um, but I had a hernia surgery at Christmas. I was supposed to play the Spangler Cup that year, and. I got hernia surgery, so that, that was off the books. I had surgery Christmas Eve that season. And, uh, you know, but the game just, my mind had caught up. Where, my mind was where it needed to be at that point. Like, mm-hmm. the way I prepare for a game, the way I could brush things off, the way I could accept myself for who I was as a goaltender, as a person, 
I wasn't bothered by a bad goal. I wasn't bothered by a player coming by to chirp me. I wasn't bothered by a teammate calling me out saying I need more out of you. None of it bothered me. And and I I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm like, why are you, why are you so confident in yourself? Why are you so relaxed? Like what is, like what's changed? And I, and I stopped asking myself the question because I was like, well, this is kind of fun being like this. Like I, I like this. And I, and that's how I played the rest of the year. It was like, didn't matter. I didn't think like, you know, there are certain buildings in the national hockey or in the, in the American league or wherever you play, that are just tough to play in. And there was like, I just like, I love playing in, in the tough buildings all of a sudden. I was like, let's see what, how, how this one does. Let's see how that one does. And right. the, the challenges to me were just like, they were, they were fun. I wasn't scared of them. And, you know, playing that first round against Rockford, I was so dialed in. Corey Crawford was a goalie in Rockford. We beat them four straight and I didn't give up more than two goals in a, in a, in a game. And, you know, when it was just like everything, just like it was in slow motion. Yeah, it was in slow motion. And you know, it was the second round uh, playing against Chicago. We you know went to go, played a couple overtime games, and and it was so fun. You know, I remember, I just remember like nothing. But I remember we had a we played two games in Chicago. We split the games, and then we came back to Texas and played three games. And I remember, I think it was in between game four and five, we had a couple days off. And we were, all, we were all staying in this pool complex or like this uh, apartment complex, the big pool. And I remember getting like a big case of Bud Light, uh, putting a sombrero on my head, floating on a on a on a floaty, and just getting crushed all day. And and uh, we had a game the next day. And I'm sitting there like, you you don't do this at all. And I show up to the rink, and we we had lost game four. We had lost game four, and I wasn't very good. And uh, and I show up to the rink, and I got a, I got a, a sunburn. I can barely put my hockey equipment on. Like, it's just so bad. And, and I'm like, but the gully can't see this, right? I didn't tell any of the guys. The guy just, you know, some of the guys knew, obviously. But uh, I went out and practiced. I'm like, oh, it's, oh, it's just, it's burning. And and I'm like, you know, you can't lose this game now. And it never, it never, I mean, you can't, you shouldn't do that. But it didn't bother me. I showed up to the rink with a sunburn yeah, yeah. and I knew I was going to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you just better win. If you don't win, then you get in trouble. If you win, you, everything should be okay, right? Like, and, and so it was just like nothing, nothing phased me. And it was so nice. Are you at, are you at peace? I am now. Okay. I am yeah. now. Uh, it took a while though. It took did, a really eh? long time. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like there's just so much left on the table. I'm just so happy that I was forced out because I would still be trying to scratch and claw to, to get any game I could, whatever level you, it was. You, I could, you think so? Yeah, I couldn't leave the game. There's not a chance. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because I just feel like there's so much that's left, you know, that there's so much injuries took away a big part of my career and, and I became mentally injured, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I grew, yep. to, grew, I grew to hate the game. Mean. Yep. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't even want to see myself succeed because I didn't even want to know, want to know what that felt like anymore. Because as soon as I would get on a roll or start feeling good, my knee would blow out, my hip would blow out. I get a cold and you know what I mean? Like just. And I, and, but it was that sick mentality that, that kept me down too, right? Like I, I didn't believe that I deserved more too, right? It was like, well, you know, you, that whole first rounder thing in my own mind gave me quite the complex of, well, you, you let the Calgary Flames down and like, and they got rid of it. I mean, now, and now you're, it just, it, it bothered me a yeah, lot sure. and, and it took a lot away from me, it, but I did it to myself. It's nobody's fault, but my own, um, I, I find it interesting that, you know, you're dabbling in, in sports talk radio now. And, you know, I spent a lot of time there. 
we want everything to be compartmentalized. We want it to be a hot take. We need 30 seconds, and we move on to the next thing. You've given the best explanation of the journey of a first-rounder. took an hour and 47 minutes, but <laughs> it's, it, it can't be compartmentalized. You can't yeah. look and go, well, boy, that guy was a bust. you got to know what yeah. happened. you got to know the circumstances. you got to know. Like, again, I'm not trying to defend you, Brent, but you had an injury that forced you to relearn the position you were drafted in. Yeah, you 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 were part of an organization that had a split affiliation. That added that the, the, the coach was, uh, you know, his allegiance was to the other organization. You, when you were a prospect, were behind a guy chewing up seventy games a year. I know. Like and I know. And, and and we want to just go. Oh well, look at the stats. That's what he is, or that's. I mean, you're a perfect example of. There's a story. Like here, yeah. there, it, not, nothing ever is just quick, right? Nothing's ever black and white. No. And, and, you know, you sit there and, you know, like, you, you don't make excuses for yourself, right? I mean, no. you, you sit there and you think, and, you know. I, well, some do. Some will, yeah, right? Some yeah. will. You know, fair enough. And I, I just sit there and think, too, I mean, the stuff that I learned from Kiprasov was valuable. Sure. But I sat there nights and, uh, um, and, and just up at night thinking you know like instead of i would worry I would, I would think too much about what ifs what if this happened yep i'm waiting for this could, I, can can i can i catch a break can i why isn't you know when you, you gotta get that woe was me that whole yep. pity party thing you know like yep. you see i played against Pecorine in milwaukee you know and he's he gets called up to nashville and he's a hell of a goaltender Corey crawford had his struggles in rockford He's turned out to be a hell of a goaltender in Chicago. Ryan Miller was always good in Rochester playing against him. He was good. Um, you know, Cam Ward, I mean, he was he was tremendous. Uh, I played against Corey Lettman in the minors too. You know, just guys like, you know, yeah, you're first, you're just, you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Like, you're just going in there. And, and it just, it took me so long. And then when I kind of, then they got Kippersoff. And I mean, he was, he was phenomenal. But you just sit there and you think, my God, like, all right, so that's that. That's the way it's going to be. And then I go to Dallas, and they have Marty Turco, and and I mean they had Tobias Steffen backing him up, and he wasn't that great. But they chose, but he they they he was in their organization. They brought him up, and so he was he he got the chance to to be the guy, and and I was just there to kind of fill space, and and then you just kind of sit there and you break things down, and you, um, um, yeah, it's just it it was just a tough. It's tough going when you think about it. It took me a long time to come to terms with it, right? Like sure. It took me a very long time to sit there and think that, hey, you know, like, like I beat my, I still beat myself up over it. Don't get me wrong. I still close my eyes at night and think, you know, if I could have done this, if I could have done that, if I would have taken this more, I, I, more seriously. I mean, I, I joke around about not being serious. I mean, most people who know me now know me as a guy that you know pokes fun of myself, and I and mm. I just have fun at my own expense. And but you have um, emotions. You got you got yeah. dreams. You got all of those sort of things. I mean, that's but a defense mechanism for right? sure. When you, you catch me in a candid moment, I. It really bothers me. It really bothers me. But but I've learned to to like it's that's okay. You know, it 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 doesn't affect my quality of life. It doesn't affect how I operate. It doesn't affect how I think or act or 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 anything anymore. Right before it closed me off for a while. Yeah. It it really closed me off for a while. But uh, but not now. I, I I embrace it. I you know I I mean it, it's helped me in so many ways to just you know 
overcome things too, right? It's, it's, you know, you overcoming yourself is the hardest part. You know, you, there's a lot of obstacles that people put in your way and you can do it because you can, people like shoving it up your ass and like just finding a way to, that's a motivation. But when you're doing it to yourself, you're sabotaging yourself, you're out, you're out thinking yourself. Yep. It's, it's hard. You, nobody really overcomes that, but you, but you become confident in your abilities and you know, you know what makes yourself tick if you're honest with yourself. This has been amazing. Um, before I let you go, we have a tradition on the original Six Feet Conversation podcast. So I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every guest. Um, it might seem a little out of place based on our conversation today, but that's okay. Uh, I'm not putting any parameters on it. You answer it any way you want. But sure. Brent Cron, give me your hidden Calgary gem. What does that mean, hidden Calgary gem, as far as it goes? You tell what? me. Like, I Here's the thing. We're all going through this right now. So people are going to be listening to these podcasts, and I ask all the guests. What I'm hoping is at the end of it, when it's we're all back to normal and everything like that, geez, I listened and I heard you know somebody talk about this. I heard Brent Crown mention this. I don't want to preface what the this is. Where this comes from is Pat, uh, uh, Pat Monahan from Train used to have a podcast, and I loved it. And always his last question was, when you're out on the road, give me a hidden gem. And, you know, it would be a favorite restaurant when I was in Frankfurt or a record store in London. So I just thought well, I'd adapt it to this, but I wouldn't put any parameters yeah. on it. So it doesn't have to be a restaurant, doesn't have to nope. be a record store, but give me a well, Calgary hidden gem. Well, that that's that's where my mind first went, um, um, but I wasn't sure if that's what you were talking about. So there's actually two places for me. Okay. Um, I have always found comfort over uh, over a glass of wine and a nice dinner with mm-hmm. with good people. Mm-hmm. And people, close people, and there's two restaurants in this city that that uh, make that happen for me: the Osteria Chef's Table in Kensington, okay. and Escoba on on Eighth Avenue. And those two places for me, if if I'm even if I'm having a bad day at work, yeah, or I'm having a tough weekend, or or I'm in a great spot, if I want to entertain somebody, those are the two spots that I go and 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 those are are hidden gems for me because you know the way the world works nowadays, the way all the kind of crap we're in, they're going through a tough time too. And I miss, I'm, I I find myself thinking of those those spots where I can kind of relax and kind of be me. And those are the two spots that that I would call my 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 hidden gems in Calgary. I love it. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to point out that uh, you were kind enough as part of the Flames alumni to come out and skate with our superheroes team. And our most dedicated listener to this podcast is Noah. Our goal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so yeah. Noah will be listening intently because, of course, he That's loves awesome. goalies and goaltending. Yep. So I think sure you does. and I should just do a little shout out to Noah here in this podcast. Eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome, buddy. I'm, I'm so proud and, and happy to have worked with you. I mean, that's. It was a, that was the highlight of my my winter is coming on the ice with you boys and especially Noah going out there and working, have some fun, joking around. You know, you, you got a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of. A lot of fire, and uh, you're 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 just a great kid. I wish the best for you. Uh, really happy that you're listening to this, and and you just make sure you're taking care of yourself. Oh, uh, you're the best, uh, Croner. I love you, man. Uh, this was so much fun for me. I know it was very personal, very raw for you, but thank you for sharing, man. This was awesome. No, oh, I appreciate you reaching out, Robbie. You take care of yourself. There you go, Brent Cron. Um, one of my favorite conversations so far. It was a long one. I hope you hung in the whole time. I hope my friend Noah was listening. Um, but Croner's a good dude and uh, I, you've heard Brent talk about it before. Brent's never, it's not like any of this was brand new. I think some of it probably was talked about for the first time, but to string it all together and to lay it out, um, you know, Brent could be a really bitter guy. Uh, as you heard in that conversation, yeah, he still thinks about it quite a bit, 
but he's a fun guy. I love listening to him on the radio. I love being around him. I always loved interviewing him. I always thought he was a great guest. Uh, I don't think he let anybody down today. So thanks to Brent Cron for spending some time with us. Uh, thanks to you for spending some time with us. Really excited about the the guests we have coming up. Um, not sure in terms of when we recorded this one and some of the next ones, but uh, really interesting sport people in Calgary and people connected to sports in Calgary and people connected to Calgary, which I think is really cool. If you liked it, tell a friend. If you loved it, subscribe, uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This has been an original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary at sportcalgary.ca. 